Hello and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show podcast, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Janet Garcia. Hey, what's up? Joined by, hang on, could we get that one more time with like E3 energy, Janet? Okay. Oh, I thought you would just go. Okay, uh, oh, we're, we're joined. Okay, okay, no, 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 no you're ahead. right. You're right. You're right. You're better. You're a pro. We're joined by Janet Garcia. Hey, what's up, everybody? There we How's go. How's it going? Oh man, Here, live and direct for some of you, and then not live for others of you. That's how it works. And then we're joined by Jeff Marquiafava. Woo! And Kyle Hilliard. Smash that like button. Bleh. Bleh. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is it. We are at the end of E3. This is like. Um, I don't know what the equivalent is like a Thanksgiving where you're done eating and now you're just stuffed watching football on a couch or like after Christmas, all the presents are open and all the wrappers are just littered across the floor and all that stuff. And now you just have to look at your toys and realize, okay, I don't like some of these as much as I thought, but this one actually is going to be good. Uh, Janet, how are you feeling post E3? Oh, I still feel like I'm like I'm cooling down and I also feel compelled to just make a lot of content because, you know, as we're going to get into today, like there's so many games that, you know, got mentioned here, came out of here. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm both like exhausted and also like it's time to make a lot of stuff and then play a lot of games. It is really wild. Um, like I went back through because I'm a, a nerd and I took notes on everything I watched for E3 and scrolling through that. It's like there are so many new games to memorize and digest and try to figure out, oh, yeah, which one was this? What was that? What was that a reference to? Which ones are HD 2D? Which ones aren't? Um, Jeff, um, E3 in total, you're a you're a man of the game industry. You've been here for a long time. What did you think about E3 2021? You know, it, it was pretty good, despite the fact that none of us could actually gather in the same place. Right. It didn't it didn't seem to hold it back that much. Yeah. Other than the thing we talked about of just like I really miss the kind of trickling news stories and interviews and stuff like that. It's it felt a little bit barren from like the big uh, big outlets. You know, it's like, OK, they're tweeting out the trailer or best case scenario. They're yeah. tweeting out some detail that reddit pulled <laughs> it's like okay i mean that's fine but i missed the kind of long tail for a lot of these announcements and excitement sure yeah um it, it's but as a as a fan just looking at games you know it it didn't change as much it obviously it's completely different for us not being there and not you know it's it has kind of always been like you go through the press conferences and then actual e3 starts because that's when you have all your appointments and you're actually playing all those games for right, yourself right um but from the i don't know how much that for just kind of the regular person who's watching and consuming the content that's coming out i don't know that it's that much different besides those kind of news bites as you said. Yeah, and we're definitely going to get in kind of the future of E3, all that stuff with community questions coming up. A lot of people had questions about that and Sarah Podzorski is going to be joining us for that whole thing. In the meantime, Jeff, is your mic like further away or something? I'm trying to double check where that is. It sounds I like... I don't think so. I, I gave you the perfect mic count. Is yeah. this better? No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, Kyle, wow. since there's so much yeah. still to sort through for E3 here, uh, we figured we should probably have some E3 awards and not like the super quick you know, Greg Miller end of stream thing that happened yesterday on the official E3 stream. We're talking like real yeah, Forza Horizon, most anticipated game out of E3. Right? I did not see that coming, but you know, they <laughs> pulled from the media places. So <laughs> sure, I guess that's how it works. Um, but we have some categories. I got Forza Horizon. It was just a surprise. Yeah, yeah. But we have some categories that we can run down. 
Here are the categories. Oh, you're naming them. Let me run down them. Okay, we got biggest surprise, favorite moment, weirdest thing, missing in action, biggest trend, most overshown game, best under the radar game, and most anticipated game other than Zelda. Does that seem good? Is that a good way to kind of round off E3 and, and hit all the gaps that we haven't touched, talked about yet? I like that other than yeah. Zelda is listed as the name of the category. <laughs> like, we should keep that name it. even when Zelda is, like, not doing anything. Like, other than Zelda. <laughs> Best game of the year, other than Zelda. If, right. If that's right. the case, obviously don't want to make any assumptions. Yeah, we can't <laughs> talk about Zelda. Um, okay, let's get to it here. Biggest surprise of E3 2021. Janet, what do you think was at the top of that stack for you? I think, oh, God. I feel like I'm just going to be talking about Metroid all day, so that's I don't know fine. if I'm going to bring up that's the Metroid fine. thing again. No, I mean, that's, that's fair. It's got to be the Metroid thing, because it was so out of left field, um, you know, like having that game appear, having it have been so old, having it been so long since the last two day, 2D one. It's the only thing that I think would never be on anyone's bingo card, and I'm someone that literally does make bingo cards, like often for my Discord community and for people on Twitter. And I would never in a million years put that because it makes no sense. Like, at least yeah. the other thing in my head was the Outer Worlds, too. But I'm like, there's some sense there. There's some. This made no sense. And it was beautiful. I was just <laughs> stunned by it. It's so crazy, too. Like, people dug up the old IGN news story from, like, 2007 about, like, yeah, we've seen some internal Nintendo documents. And it turns out that there is a game called Metroid Dread that apparently is almost finished for the DS that they haven't announced yet. It's just fun to, like, actually have a history of this so long simmering thing actually get popped out there and like i saw there was there were some people tweeting before the press conference i remember seeing some tweet about like the 2d metroid is real it's 400 real it's going to be at e3 but i feel like you see those types of tweets all the time it's the deal like i don't know what this is it's easy to ignore so definitely when it popped up on screen that was a big one um for yeah. for me is actually one that you mentioned there too um which really thinking about like what was the biggest surprise for me i think it was seeing the outer worlds too I think it was the fact that Obsidian and Microsoft chose to reveal that. And maybe they're just taking lessons from Elder Scrolls and Starfield in terms of like, just say that we're working on this thing so people can stop bugging us. Or maybe Microsoft just wanted like the full RPG bravado of being able to run down at the end of the press conference. Like, look at all this stuff we've got. We dare you not to get into Game Pass. Um, But yeah, the Outer Worlds 2 teaser, very cryptic, very jokey. Um, But I, I think I put it up there for the surprise, too, just because even when we were watching it, you can watch our reactions, nobody had any idea what it was. Like, and now in retrospect, it's stupid. As a group of people who took the deepest dive on the Outer Worlds to still see so many clearly Outer Worlds thing and throughout that entire thing being like, is this ever wild? Is this another Halo? What is this? I mean, we were just so sure that it wasn't going to be there because they have other games that have been announced, you know? Yeah. Right, right. And I mean that DLC just came out like a couple months ago. It's it's absolutely wild. But going back and watching that trailer again, there's like if you want to start reading into things, there is a character that jumps and has little jetpacks in the boots, so that maybe you're gonna have more verticality in the combat or something if you're desperate for any sort of actual information from that thing. But my biggest shock is that they didn't call it the Outer Worlds TWO. Because I remember visiting that studio <laughs> and them talking about how they wanted to call it the Outer Worlds TWO like spelling out two that way so that it could be abbreviated as T-O-W-T-W-O. 
they said, oh, wouldn't that be a fun thing? And apparently Microsoft did not think so. Or somebody along the line. New marketing was like, that is a horrible idea. It reminds me of, um, which actually now I'm wondering if you did this interview, which would be weird if you did. Because I think it was one of the rapid fire mm. Game Informer things. So maybe it was you or I, someone that, you know, y'all know. Right. Oh, like um, the... Uh, the with the interviewing media molecule and he's like i want to call it brain fluff and it's like yeah that's a dumb idea right <laughs> it, it yeah. totally reminded me of that yeah yeah that was me thanks for watching that janet that's nice yeah i loved those they're so much fun yeah game Informer's still doing them they just had one with tim schaefer not too long ago which we may or may not have contributed some questions to in a, in a light loose <laughs> way um but kyle yeah what do you got for biggest surprise um i metroid is a is a fantastic pick obviously but for me this is very much for me and maybe you as well hansen the one that i did not see coming at all uh was warioware honestly yeah um because uh the um, at the 3ds version was it felt like a flop it felt like no one really played it it felt like sort of a death call for warioware like that was our last shot and it didn't happen and like it would have been such a good like launch game for a switch in terms of just like hey here's a very experimental thing that can use a controller in interesting ways and yeah it's been a couple of years and it felt like it just i love that franchise but it just i i felt like i, I just didn't really have any confidence of seeing another warrior wear so when his silhouette appeared on screen it was genuinely like whoa i i didn't even see rumors about this this wasn't one that was on like prediction lists or anything like that and it made me very happy I, yeah. I, I went and watched their 10-minute um, presentation afterward on the stream, which didn't reveal a whole lot, um, but uh, just showed a couple more micro games. But it was, in terms of surprise, WarioWare for me. Yeah, I think that Nintendo Direct in general, it was like kind of the, the Switch homecoming for so much maybe under the radar or underappreciated handheld stuff between like Advance Wars coming back and then like, okay, you didn't buy... Metroid Samus Returns on 3DS, but what if you had the developer make something for Switch? And then, like, okay, you didn't buy WarioWare on 3DS, but what if we had a real WarioWare on Switch? So, yeah, it's definitely... I mean, the, the funny thing about both of those games is, like, I, I think it's a pretty safe bet right now, is to say that those are going to be the best-selling games in those prospective franchises. Yeah. That WarioWare will be the best-selling WarioWare. That Metroid will be the best-selling Metroid, just by nature of being on the Switch, you yeah, know? Yeah, I mean, a lot of Game Boy Advance and DSs out there. I'd be curious to see those WarioWare sales That's numbers true. for that but yeah uh jeff what do you think your biggest surprise was mine was metroid yeah, yeah it yeah. i mean it's and <laughs> and even even just the name when i was when i was looking through it i was trying to think like well okay was there something other than metroid dread and it's like no that's it's that is a crazy name for a game that i wasn't expecting and the fact that they were doing things that were a little bit different within kind of that formula and and seemingly taking it more seriously than Nintendo has taken that franchise in quite a while, I think is what stood up to me. It was like, okay, they're they're actually behind this one, and they're actually doing the one that fans have been wanting for a long, long time. Yeah, even even more so than I would than I would you know give that credit for the remake of of the uh, previous one that came out because yeah. that's that's a little safer, you know. For sure. Then, then going whole hog into a completely new one. Yeah. And also Metroid Dread is a cool name. It is pretty badass. Rapid Fire, other biggest surprises that stood out to me that we haven't hit yet. Uh, Rocksmith Plus, the idea of Rocksmith getting a whole segment at Ubisoft's press conference is pretty wild. And now it's like on PC and also an app and also a subscription. But 
regardless of that format not being great, um, I do think it's exciting to have you know them investing in the music genre again. Uh, Party Animals, the game shown at the Microsoft press conference, that somehow is not developed by the Gang Beast developers. It's it, not? No, it looks exactly like Whoa. Gang Beast. And so he's assumed, like, well, surely this is that Bone Loaf team. No, as far as I can tell, no connection to Gang Beast, which is mind-boggling weird uh <laughs> assassin's creed valhalla discovery tour releasing this fall very happy to see that i did not even think about that because it's like well, it's just kind of roaming around in the wilderness there's not as clear of like a central point to study but that's great um jack sparrow coming to sea of thieves <laughs> for the weird that was weird that... I-, I have that for a later category oh actually. okay all right that that's probably the fact that we called it weird is probably a hint but all oh, right, yes. we'll save that it's, one it's more this for the future <laughs> yeah uh, other big surprises that we haven't hit yet even though it did get leaked before, but I missed the leak, the rabbits thing, I yeah. thought was pretty surprising. You're right. If you happen to miss the leak, which I did, so I was like, wow, <laughs> it was really convenient. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's something that there were a lot of games that I love and I think are like generally beloved that you just never really see a sequel for. I mean, I think we saw that with like, you know, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, which I don't know if that game will ever continue and, and a lot of other things like that where it's like, oh, this is the most amazing what people would count as b-tier in terms of like franchise type right, notoriety right. even though it is, it is mario but you know the rabbits kind of makes it less i don't know cash it has less cachet uh so yeah i was so pleasantly surprised to see that and i, I was genuinely surprised by it yeah uh okay elden ring i mean come on we, right ring yeah right? The release I mean, date yep it really yeah. you know nothing wrong with this but it, it did make me laugh like how much how clear it was that jeff Keeley was so appreciative of Hup, from software it. got that for another oh okay all right all right, all right moving on uh, which reminds me of the category favorite moment favorite moment keely's nervous energy right before showing elden ring <laughs> is that right yeah i mean he's just like i think his brain works in tweets and likes and engagement and so like in his mind he was just seeing like this is going to fly me to the freaking moon and get me out of the doghouse and now that's why i'm excited about elden ring i mean the way he was talking about it i really was like oh my god is he, is he about to show half-life 3 like what is happening here you know yeah it was intense and then even afterwards he's like thank you so much to miyazaki-san and all of from software and like as somebody who's worked with the marketing department of from software a couple times it ain't easy <laughs> so it's like just imagine trying to push that up the hill and actually get it to happen and even afterwards he's sending out those tweets like thank you so much because really it was a huge deal for like cementing summer game fest as a new thing but also now a place where it's like look at the pedigree we can have and it's all just because of that one team within from software agreeing to let this be the spot where it lands it's pretty wild um jeff do you have a favorite moment um, I, I spun this one a little different. I think it, it's m- kind of more of a favorite trailer, but mine would, mine was going to be the Outer Worlds 2 oh, okay. trailer in, in terms of just like something that did, I guess it also surprised me, but also like, I found that very humorous and, and like it was, it was just one joke basically the entire time, but it kept on getting me to laugh more and more as it was going on. Making fun and of so, the absurdity of showing a trailer that. this early and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and also a uh, shout out for Jeff Goldblum calling Jeff Keeley Geoff and then just like <laughs> dunking on him for the rest of his segment. I appreciated that as well. Yeah, that's good. Because yeah. any self-respecting Jeff would do that to a Geoff if you ever encounter one. Oh yeah. Uh, you got one, Janet? Favorite moment? 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'd have to probably think longer to really nail down absolute favorite. But one of the ones that came to mind for me was on, I want to say it was Monday, which was a much quieter day for the E3 stuff. Um, They had a bunch of indie things and they had a a small panel that was, um, I forgot who it was interviewing, like Ed McMillan and like uh, the head of Other Ocean and like the the woman from Nintendo of America who works with like indies and then like one other person. Sorry for forgetting the names. Um, and I just really like that. I think, you know, I came to this realization not too long ago, um, just talking about E3 in general, but I think a lot of times we have the tendency to gloss over or zone out when, like, it's devs talking or people in the industry talking or face cam stuff, especially when it is a more low-key panel where they're not going to be doing, you know, intense questioning about what's your next project or what's this next thing. Right. Um, I think we do have a tendency to, like, kind of zone out on that stuff, but I think that stuff's, one, can be really interesting. Like, I just love, like, casual interviews like that, hearing people's perspectives. Uh, indies have like a huge place in my heart and I like love indies so much. Like a short hike got a shout out during that panel. And I just love moments where, you know, for some of these people, obviously like Edmund or others are like super famous already, but it can be this really big, cool moment of talking about their work and talking about their projects. And all of those are sort of my favorite moments because I think, you know, just seeing too, like all the different hosts that they have, like a lot of people that I know in the industry share out and be so proud of being on the e3 stage or like oh someone mentioned my name or someone mentioned my game all those little things i think culminate to my favorite moment because i think they're so heartfelt and pure and they remind me of like why i love doing this and what this job means to me so uh yeah that's my favorite moment yeah that's good yeah i'm really struggling with this one if i had to boil it down to like singular moment like split second moment I think it has Weezer. to be the shot of what's that, Janet? Weezer. It was all of Weezer's performance. Am I right, Jeff? Um, Weezer, Weezer. Um, no, it was it was the shot of after the black screen of Link falling from the sky. Like that is such an amazing moment. If you had to like sum up like peak E3 excitement, it is this that what are they going to show? And then full screen, what they show is the complete opposite of what you think. They're going to show and then it just reframes how you're anticipating the most anticipated game of all time. It's just it's an incredible moment. Like you see that shot and it's, oh, my God. OK, we're going to this guy. I now have a new way of looking at this at this game. Um, another, another quick one, uh, which is just uh, uh, Serial's reaction to Advance Wars. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. I went I, good I went and went I went back and like found the timestamp. I was like, I gotta see when this game was revealed and how Serial reacted and he did not disappoint it. He was very happy. Because he just saw like Orange City on the screen, which to me is like, is that like a Dragon Ball thing? Like I just have no frame of reference. But for him, as somebody that thinks about Advance Wars every day of his life, he's living in Orange City, baby. Um Yeah, and right. he, he had that same excitement like throughout that entire five minute segment <laughs> on that game. It was just like constant Oh, I, I don't I don't know how I feel about this art style, but I, but if it, I like the how the city's laid out. And it was like, wow, yeah. I, I don't know. I've ever been that happy. <laughs> Watching your child. You're a born. new dad. Well, yeah, true. Uh, let's see. <laughs> it gets old. It gets old, Kyle. You know, it it's pretty boring. It's yeah. pretty boring initially. Uh, this one is debatable as a moment, but I'll count it as a moment. Just a, a thing that I am fascinated by, which is I don't know if you saw that people on Reddit we're really dissecting that Starfield trailer, which I think even on the show when we talked about it, like, yeah, there's a lot of details in the background of the Starfield trailer. I'm sure fans will dig into that. But beyond just like the text and documents and objects and stuff, it turns out that 
uh, on the control panel in the rocket ship, in the spaceship, whatever the hell you want to call it in the Starfield trailer, if you really, really zoom in, there is a piece of rust on that spaceship console that's in the shape of Hammerfell from Tamriel, like from the world of the Elder Scrolls. And so now fans are taking that as the reveal that Elder Scrolls VI is going to be taking place in Hammerfell and High Rock. Like, that is some good E3 stuff. Just the fact that they could hide that in the rust of a spaceship and be like, we know what that means. Nice try, Bethesda. Moving on. It's just, it's amazing. Um, they didn't take it that Starfield is like the future version of the Elder Scrolls world. Oh. Like, I thought that's where you were going. Millions of years answer. in the future. Or yeah, thousands. like the main lady takes her space helmet off and she's a cat, like a Kajit yeah. or whatever those things are called. Um, otherwise, it's a, because you're throwing Nintendo characters in the volcano. Uh, probably the funniest moment for me three for me good. yeah um, and then small thing but uh, Rainbow Six Extraction uh, the, the co-op game seeing that enemy that's like floating around but he's connected by like tendrils to the ground it's like weird zerg goop but if like strands of the zerg goop were like shooting up to support this person as they're like flying around so that's just a cool you, you feel the way about that enemy yeah. that the internet feels about Link's hair like you are just I was just so about to mention to like you're so stuff. moved by this man I like, can't stop thinking he's you my lady him. D Mr. Floaty <laughs> guy from Dead, from Extraction not Dead Space Extraction yeah. Rainbow Six Extraction like Ben's got the fan art ready to go oh my god <laughs> just imagine uh, okay weirdest thing it's a it's a broad one but e3 is full of weird things kyle what do you got for weirdest thing um i have a lot for this one um i'll say real quick i got two i'll do two real quick because we don't need to talk about the first one the avatar game very weird we've already talked about this too much as jeff informed us (laughs) uh but the (laughs) other one the uh at summer game fest the way they showed the Overwatch character models was like really weird. <laughs> it was such just like a weird sort of reveal that they somebody flew out to do, but it was like it was just odd. It was just that it wasn't even like bad. I wasn't like offended by it or anything. I was just like, this is weird. I think because it's just unnerving that obviously the team's under a lot of stress. They've been working on Overwatch two for a long time, and then the idea that Blizzard's like, okay, you know what to get people excited? Talking about the tiny technical changes that we've made to Sombra's outfit. It's like, man, I like Overwatch, but they're making it seem like this is some monumental feat where it's like, that just seems like square one of making a sequel, like, even at that. And also, like, each character has, like, 50... outfits in that in that game. Like, that's one of the collectibles. They they come out with new outfits all the time. What do I... Well, whatever. This is weird. They needed needed something to show, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff, what do you got for weird? Uh, well, you already ate my lunch on this one too, Great. Hanson, Perfect. and that's party animals, both for being <laughs> a cute and weird looking game, but then also the gang beast thing where even, even during the stream, we were like, man, if this isn't a gang beast sequel, somebody's in trouble. <laughs> right, <this."> right. <laughs> that it's not somehow. Yeah. But it a- looks adorable. And, and honestly, it's genius just adding just adding like the making them anthropomorphic, you know, blobby animals, pets is that's going to get a billion players. That's going to be more popular than Fall Guys when it comes out. You mark my words. I mean, at its peak? Probably not, but no, probably not. <laughs> okay, for audio <laughs> listeners. I love how quickly you walk that back. You're yeah. like, I can say with absolute confidence. Maybe not. You know, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> it, it'll never Who's happen, but it should. Okay, all right. You can be a little corgi, and you can beat up a 
crocodile or whatever. It just I was so excited seeing that trailer. I got so hot. Like, that is very much a me game. I, I think I was watching that with my boyfriend as well because I was doing the Xbox thing and he, and he was on my stream reacting to it. And he was like, yeah, this is a you game. And I was like, you're going to have to play with me at least once. You don't know if you like it, so you try it. Come on. Uh, Janet, what do you got for weirdest thing for me 3 2021? First thing that came to mind, uh, Fall Guys near collab. Oh, perfect. Oh, that's a good perfect. one. Perfect. Seeing to yeah. be as a beat, like the, the beat, and then the dress. And like, it's weird too, because that character design is like very intentionally sexy with like, you know, real reasons as to why other than like it's nice to look at pretty girls you know um so it's weird seeing like this this dress on like a bean person like it's just <laughs> odd like it's just it's like what am i like it's like i don't know like it kind of rem- i don't know i don't know it, it struck me it struck me it haunts me um yeah it's like seeing it, it is yeah it's, it's like moment. it's like a marilyn monroe minion it's like i don't know how to feel about yeah, this thing. Right? <laughs> should i feel something for this what's going on here what's the what's the protocol um valorant's yeah, world perfect pick because i totally forgot about that but yep. the second you said it i was like like yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um valorant's world's fastest tease of something. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good too. What was that? <laughs> I I swear to god y'all like when that happened this is like I didn't say this with no shade in my heart. I thought that was like an error. I thought cuz you see that happens sometimes too where it's yeah. like they jump to something and then they toss back and you're like why are they tossing back to me? I literally thought that that was like a technical error and then I <laughs> looked at it later I'm like this is that's what was supposed to happen. Um <laughs> yeah, I think too um stuff with the orb the box of oranges um that was odd to me yeah i mean i guess yeah that's true that entire teaser trailer <laughs> i'm still trying to run my i mean i was into it. it and then i like was judging myself for being it because like i think we're lying if we, we we were all into it because it's like kojima yeah. and it's like the metal gear vibe mm-hmm. but i'm like man i'm i hate myself for being so like intrigued <laughs> i'm like oh what do you think it means when the oranges spill i'm like man, why am i like this yeah. like i'm upset <laughs> It's just metal it gear. was upsetting. Yeah. Um, and then too, like this is an awkward one, but like the mentions of like both 9-11 and Hitler during E3. 100%. Which were totally not. They were not. Yeah. It was not done like in a way that was like janky or necessarily even inappropriate or necessarily insensitive either. Like, I don't think they like were bad for saying that. It just felt very out of left field and that tonally, tonally odd. And With, that, like, yeah. Actually, maneuvered there like shot to keely for like even i don't even like you ever get a question in an interview like and you get the answer and then you're like how do i pivot from that and then pivot and then yeah like i don't know how he got out of that and kept the conversation going nobody and dodges then, then hitler like keely. It was so weird yeah uh, like within a 15 minute span it's like somebody really doubling down on 9-11 references and hitler references unnecessarily mind you it's not yep. like they were making a world war ii game or anything here it's like going out of their way for that but yeah i think that's that's perfect uh, Kyle, you had more. Uh, yeah, I, I'll just we can kind of rapid fire these. Uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean Sea of Thieves crossover, yep, yep. very weird, uh, but kind of like a, a little. When you take a step back, I feel like it gets less weird because it's like, well, that's the most popular pirate IP in the world, right? Like, right. Why not connected to Sea of Thieves? Uh, the Xbox Mini Fridge, which was something like a friend texted Ooh. me about that I totally yes, I missed. want that so bad. What is yeah. this? I haven't. It's, I, I think they're just selling a mini fridge that looks like an Xbox just to capitalize off the meme, right? Oh, that's a really good idea. <laughs> I'm not and then the last one, it. the last one on my list was the way that Resident Evil 8 DLC was announced. <laughs> just like white text on a black background that was like implies that they 
were like, oh, people want more of this game? It's like, yeah, I'm kind of surprised you didn't like have that kind of in the plan. Because they already, framed it but, like, due to know? popular demand, we're actually going to make Resident Evil Village DLC. It's like, bull <laughs> crap. Like, you just wanted to, like, you know, tip the cap towards the fans, but you're clearly already making this DLC, but sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for it, but just the way it was like, yeah, it was, it was shown was like, okay, that's weird, right? Uh, okay, I got some more rapid fires. Oh, I guess my main one is uh, the gearbox presentation. I don't know if anybody caught that, but this is the big problem with this E3 structure is you didn't know what to pay attention to, and there were things on the docket where it's like, hey, there's going to be a big Take Two conference, or E3 is promoting this idea of like, check out the Take Two conference happening on Tuesday at this time. And then you tune into the Take Two one, and like it literally opened with just this white guy being like, we need to talk about diversity. And then it was just like a half an hour long panel on diversity. It was like, what? Okay, not what I was expecting. I wish they could have communicated what this was a little bit better. And Gearbox was another one where it's like, tune into the Gearbox Direct, basically. And they just like replayed the Tiny Tina's Wonderworld trailer, and then it was. Seven minutes or so of Randy Pitchford walking around the set of the Borderlands movie, like knocking on Kevin Hart's trailer. It is really weird. Kind of, you know, shooting the S with Eli Roth, the film's director. But I'm sure in his mind, it's like that Borderlands movie is the biggest thing in the world. And so when they were floating the idea of whether or not there could be a Gearbox Direct, I'm sure he's like, oh boy. Boy, do we have something for you. It's a very dry behind the scenes look at gearbox stuff basically the most exciting thing you can see is like here's a c stand <laughs> but still in his mind it's like what do you mean we're in hungary this is borderlands so that was really weird um <laughs> let's see other rapid fire things uh demon throttle which was shown at um devolvers uh presentation have you heard of this Kyle no, this is the one I, I think I missed this one. Demon Throttle um, is by the same developers as Gato Roboto. But the weird thing is it oh, is physical yeah, yeah. only. Physical only release for this little indie game that looks fine. Um, which I thought was I kind like of... I like Roboto. That's a good game. Well, there we go. I thought it was a cool idea. I saw Kelsey Lewin, friend of the show on Twitter. She's like, oh, this is such nonsense. It's going to drive those prices up unnecessarily. It's such an artificial way of doing it, but... Um, let's see other things. Uh, it's weird that the Final Fantasy one through six collection um, is coming to Steam and mobile only, and not console. But that's fine. On the square front, I mean, it was weird that that Stranger Paradise demo was released and then did not work for a day. Um, that was <laughs> purely weird, chaotic. Yeah. Um, and another weird one is in the Intellivision press conference. Um, they said that they're tracking your high scores for all these old retro games on the Intellivision Amico. And that every month, whoever has the high score in this game for their region, they're going to ship out a physical, like, trophy or, like, placard. Uh, I, I, I'll correct you, I think. Ooh, in please. That I think they'll email you a certificate that you can print out. You're right. That's what it was. Yes, they'll email you yeah. that certificate, then you can print it out on your own. Which is normal. So I think that that should be excised oh. from this list. Okay. Well, I'll be damned. <laughs> Well, there no, we go. I think that still totally counts as a weird but kind of cool thing, you know? Also, Tommy Tallarico in that press conference, he said that he has the Guinness World Record for working on the most games out of anybody. And that struck me as odd. Could that really be true? That's horrifying. Like, I guess just little sound <laughs> effects for in that era, early 90s, when he's just rapid firing through that stuff. But anyways. Um, okay, on to the next one. Missing in action. What was missing in action? The biggest thing for E3 2021. Janet, what pops out for you? 
Oh man, I mean, can you count Prime Four as missing? Because they didn't mention it. I think so. It. I think that counts. They did as mention missing. it. Yeah. I think that's up there. Um, I'll, I'll give a nod to even though I wasn't mad I didn't see it, but Pokemon. It was just I was a little surprised they didn't mention anything about it. Even like a nod to like another direct happening. Yeah. I think on the Nintendo front too. Animal Crossing, man. Like, where's the right. where's where the content at? Where's the content? I'm still working on my island, but that's my business. Like, I'm looking for <laughs> something deeper. Um, yeah, those are like the quick ones that come to mind for me. Yeah, I think those are really good choices. Um, yeah, on the Nintendo front. Splatoon 3 on the Janet front, right? Mm-hmm. Did you feel like that was missing? or? I personally, I feel like they've talked about it adequately. I was a little surprised because I did have it, I think, on my predictions that they'd bring it up and then maybe like give a nod to the history and maybe do like a Splatfest, but it doesn't shock me. I feel like we are far enough away that I'm not, I'm expecting that in a specific direct where they maybe go into if there are more game modes. So um, it was missing, but I, I wasn't like super shocked that it wasn't there. Uh, I mean, the big Nintendo one, Switch Pro, the fact that that was not there after Bloomberg. But they said, they'd be, they said it'd be missing. <laughs> but yeah, like I think Nintendo managed the expectations well, honestly. Right, by right. Say, you know what I mean? Like they made it clear it wasn't going to be there, but like... Well, they the said, they said that it wasn't going to be at the Nintendo Direct. They said software only, but the Bloomberg report was that this was going to be revealed before so that people could show their games running on the Switch Pro. So right. I don't know what the hell was going on there with, with that reporting or what changed along the ways, but pretty wild. Um, let's see, my biggest one was probably Everwild. I was really looking forward to, to Rare's Everwild, their new, bizarre, kind of, you know, Princess Mononoke-esque, instead of Monster Hunter, where you attack animals, you just go pet a bunch of animals. Um, wasn't there at Microsoft's showcase, and then it was revealed afterwards that apparently uh, Video Games Chronicle had the report that the creative director left the studio, and it's being fully rebooted, and now it's years and years away. So, say goodbye to Everwild for a very long time. It's a sad deal. Uh, Jeff, what was missing for you? Sony. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, there was that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, and I only say that half jokingly because it, it, that is, that does kind of put a damper on the whole thing when you don't get that other, you know, Nintendo and Microsoft are nice, but you kind of want that Nintendo or Microsoft and Sony head to head yeah in term yeah but and it's 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 also another platform just for all the other third party games that don't kind of fit into these other niches but if we're not counting sony yeah, i would yeah. say even though they they kind of mentioned it and they kind of showed a little bit of it i still wanted to see more of a vowed that was yeah. kind of like a two mm-hmm. second here's a guy with a glowing hand or something because it see it still exists, but I I was hoping to see more than that. We saw more of outer outer worlds too than we did avowed, which yeah. was a little disappointing. To me. And that obsidian grounded update too. But yeah, they got they got other irons yeah. in the fire, I guess. Kyle, you got one? Um, it's, I think Switch Pro is like the the winner, although we're not really assigning winners. But um, I, Fable, I I like they yeah. said someone. It seemed pretty Good clear one. it wasn't going to be there early on, but. I still, you know, it was kind of a disappointment. I, I want to see what that game looks like. The the sort of CG trailer doesn't really good, give me a good idea of what it looks like yet, you know? Yeah. Uh, big one for me, too, is uh, just Warner Brothers missing in action. I mean, they had Back for Blood, which is great, but in terms of other big things, they just weren't there to show it. Like Gotham Knight, Suicide Squad, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, for the love of Christ. It's been years and years since that was announced. Uh, Monolith's new game, Harry Potter. Like, I know there's a lot of corporate shakeups going on over there. Maybe that's a reason 
for not getting out there confidently behind one of these games at this point, but it's really noticeable that uh, they didn't have any of these huge games there. Um, and chat screaming, Edgar Vasquez is screaming about being out of three. I know that one definitely stung mm, for a yes. lot of yeah. Nintendo fans. Uh, I would also throw out State of Decay 3 yeah. as well. I would have liked to have seen more of that than just the trailer we got last year whenever or whatever showcase that was. That was, yeah, like July of last year. Yeah, I, I would have appreciated just like a little bit more of an update and Phil Spencer kind of touched on a little bit at the end of being like, hey, just so you know, Turn 10's next mainline Forza is in development right now. And I wish he kind of gave updates on all those games they had showed. Of like, State of Decay, it's still a ways off. Or just some time frame would have been nice. Yeah. Um, all right. Biggest trend. Biggest trend for E3 2021. Really zooming out here. Janet, you got one? And dragons. Just dragons? <laughs> Yes, and cats, like for indie stuff. Like, um, I think too, like you, d- you definitely did see because there were so many indies shown. Like, if you did pay attention to the indie showcases and it would get you know, Day of the Devs, wholesome games, like all that stuff, you saw a lot of them and a lot of them repeat. And you did see um, a few different themes pop out, some of which were more surprising than others. I think certainly cats, that's a pretty popular thing because people like cats. Yeah. But I also saw a lot of photography games. Janet, like, that a was a lot of people mm, leaning on that. Totally. That's my number one is photography games. Like, throughout. Yeah, yep. especially Wholesome Games Direct. But just a quick rundown. We have Toem, Paparazzi, Alicon, Beasts of Maravilla Island, and Dordone. All, like, very Pokemon Snap-inspired photography games, which is wild that all these are hitting right now. Yeah, does that... I'm trying to remember what the name of the game is. I wonder if you named it right now. or if, Did you mention Shishingo? Oh, no, I missed that one. There. Okay. Yeah, I missed this one, too. So this was... I did a deep dive into, like, the Wholesome Games storefront, because if you go to their website, yep. they have, like, all the games they showed. And I'm like, let's slowly look at these and actually see what these were, because they went by so quick. Uh, Shishingo Learn Japanese with Photography. It is what it sounds like. It's a game where you can learn different Japanese vocabulary by you walk around, you take pictures of things, and then you take pictures of like a laundromat, and then you'd see laundromat and how to say it um, in Japanese. So huh. that was an, a cool game and a cool educational game, but also another example of utilizing photography. Like, I was really surprised by that. Yeah. Jeff, what do you got, man? Uh, I'm stealing it from Kyle because he had put it in Slack, but remasters. It seemed yeah. like everything was a remaster... It, it seems like a very safe way to kind of bring back franchises and and just just kind of it it seems like something coming out of the COVID the COVID era altogether of like man things are things are kind of different right now and we don't know what we're gonna do uh, let's remake a game that we've already had and bring it to a different generation yeah like monkey ball was a big one during nintendo's that they have the big old monkey ball here's my list that jeff from stole from me uh super monkey ball advance wars (laughs) fatal frame death stranding technically uh far cry blood dragon diablo 2 uh not announced but shown sure and then uh life is strange is getting kind of a a big overhaul right right you know yeah and that's i'm sure that's not all of them i mean we we see a lot of remasters in general but it did it did feel like more this year but maybe that's just perception i don't know yeah um it's a smaller thing but one that i'm excited about is just the hd 2d games like seeing that mm. uh, Sukaden spiritual successor that Aiden chronicle looks so great and sacrifier which is an indie game it's a kickstarter right now but that also has that similar look which looks great and then you know i guess it kind of gets blurry but if you want to count just great looking pixel art it's like ah, metal slug tactics maybe there's a couple other ones that are kind of on the edge if you want to count it but that's still a, an exciting trend uh big one is left for dead style games 
still rolling yeah. out there. Back for Blood, uh, Rainbow Six Extraction, of course. I'm sure I'm going to miss a ton of them. Uh, the Anacrusis. Uh, it kind of flew by quickly, but that's uh, the new game from Chet, the writer over there at Valve, who left Valve, and I'm excited to see what that team cranks out because he was a writer for Left 4 Dead. Yeah, I think World War Z got an expansion. That's right, too, or like a DLC. I think thing. I think that's a new game. Okay, yeah, I wasn't totally sure. Yeah, I like World War Z a lot. I think that's cool. Yeah, um, other trends we haven't hit. Uh, I wrote. I mean, I don't have a ton of examples, so maybe it's not a good pick, but I was saying, I felt like I saw a lot more strategy games than usual, because like mm. Mario Rabbids, Metal Slug Tactics, Advance Wars, and, and Age of Empires had some uh, some screen time too. Yeah. I just, I feel like maybe it's it's the genre is kind of like be- becoming popularized again after, you know, XCOM really helped shepherd that, I think. Well, yeah. Age of Empires is real-time strategy. Kind of learn the difference, but I, I understand your sentiment. Well, I, mean, I think you're right. But it, the word strategy. Right. Big strategy umbrella. Okay. I can dig it. Um, okay, this is a tricky one. The most overshown game. The, the campus game. game. Ooh, oh, two-point campus. Yep. Yeah, that's what, I know it's going to be everyone because it was the one that was shown like like a lot. Um, so I'm like, I have to get this in now <laughs> so I can take the credit. Um, that was very intentional. Yeah, it was, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. Um, you know, I think I someone, it might have been Blessing, mentioned this on Kind of Funny, but like shout out to the marketing people there because they were like, they were talking to everybody. They were on their emails. Notifications turned on. <laughs> like they hustled. I respect the hustle. Um, and now I'm like, maybe, you know, maybe I should play it. Yeah. I like manage. I like, I like sim stuff. Like, why not? It seems Y'all did yeah. the work. Right. Hospitals on Game Pass. There Ooh. it is. Okay. Yeah, uh, it, it wore me down too in the same way. And and at least every time I saw it, it was always just kind of the same very long trailer for it. And the first time I was like, whatever. And then by like the third time, I was like, maybe I will like this game. <laughs> Two right? point campus. It's like I, I could it. study wizardry. Like, sure. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, why not? I could be a scientist. Yeah, let's do it. Kyle, it stands up for you. Uh, one that I felt like I was like, oh, we're, we're seeing this again, huh? Uh, was Monster Hunter Stories 2. <laughs> okay. Oh, sure. yeah. That's a good I one. I kept seeing that. The Monsties. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's same, cool. Uh, Far Cry 6 was totally. another one that I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Let's look at more Far Cry 6. I not, think I'm, I'm not going to complain I'm about totally, that. I am totally... Oh, really? I, I think I might complain a little bit about it. I'm looking forward to that game a lot, You're but allowed. it's like when the reveal trailer was... Hey, we have Giancarlo Esposito. Isn't he cool? Look how dominating he is. Look at him chewing scenery. He's like, all right, got it. And now I feel like the next four trailers after that reveal trailer have just been more of him chewing scenery. And it's like, I got that. We we all like Breaking Bad a lot. That you you've hit that marketing beat. We don't need to keep going for this, but just new ways of packaging it. Um, and then I think in a good way, but Back for Blood also was all over the place in a, in a big way, which I'm happy about, but maybe it's just a result of, yeah, Warner Brothers not ready to show anything else, but I was amazed that that was popping up all over the place. Yeah, and I'm that one also grew on me too. I think the first time that I saw it, I wasn't super excited about it because it didn't, it looked like very much more of the same, but for some reason, I maybe it just looks better in trailer form or maybe there's some trickery going on there with the visuals that they're showing, but it it reminded me that it's been a long time since I've been able to play a new Left 4 Dead game and that I probably would have been happy if Turtle Rock had just continued making Left 4 Dead games and maps this entire time. But I'm I'm more hopeful for that one. And yeah. also it being on Game, Pla- game Pass doesn't hurt anything either. Yeah, it's going to be huge. That's October 12th when that comes out too. Um, all right. Uh, best under the radar game. 
Oh wait, real one oh, last yeah, please. most just in ter- t- total like screen time. Guardians of the Galaxy just kept yep. going and going. I thought about <laughs> that too, and then it came back at it Nintendo, really and it's like, all right, we got it, we got it. Which honestly, so it's Game Informer's new cover, and listening to the Game Informer Show podcast, they talked a little bit about it. Not enough, mind you, but a little bit. And they mentioned like the obvious thing, which I'm pissed that I didn't see, but like clearly a design inspiration was Mass Effect. Like the idea is let's make Marvel's Mass Effect. Like that idea oh. we associated with Telltale, but like, oh, you're making choices, and they'll remember that, but. With that sci-fi theme and even like controlling of the characters in combat, it's like they're going for and picking party members to bring with you. Probably, yeah, yep. right? they're they're yeah. going for Mass Effect, everybody. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. Hey, that's cool. Um, anyways, yeah, best under the radar game, something that you didn't think got enough love. Uh, I'll start. Um, there's a game called Death's Door that popped yeah. up in a couple places, but it really looks great. It's one of those where you see like a second of the gameplay and it's like that looks so tight and so fast. It kind of it looked like Hades-style action, but I guess the game itself is more of a Zelda game. Action RPG is how they're describing it. It's from Acid Nerve, who developed uh, Titan Souls, which I know people uh, enjoyed quite a bit. But uh, yeah, it's coming out July 20th from Devolver as the publisher, and definitely one to, to keep on your radar. Check out Death's Door. You're like a crow navigating the underworld. It looks sweet, though. Yeah, it also has like a kind of a, like a cuteness to it a little bit. Like I really yeah. love when stuff's... like adorable but also very dark you know kind of like i think inside and other games fall into that category where it's a lot of delicate little creatures moving around but it's actually like horrible things happening right um i also what really struck me from that was just the visuals like it's very black and white monochrome like um kind of like a blue a dark blue gray but then there's like these pops of color on like the sword or on like a light fixture super stylized um yeah i like that one a lot too um, for me, it, it has to be uh, kind of on that same indie beat. Lego Builder's Journey. <laughs> yeah. This was shown for almost no time. Right. Uh, please look this up if you're listening. Um, it, it, it's, it looks amazing. So it's published by Lego, but it's developed by Lightbrick Studio. And it kind of um, has that kind of, uh, I guess, isometric maybe, like that sort of Captain Toad totally. level of your zoom. You're sort of manipulating an area, and the gameplay actually looks very similar to Captain Toad. Not that Captain Toad is the only game to do that, but I just think it's a good example. And um, it's just so beautiful. Like, it looks... I, I just... I'm stunned by it. And it's, you know, it's these different Lego pieces, and everything's moving around. It's very detailed. It's like an interactable, really well-made Lego diorama. And that comes out June 22nd, and I just feel like... I'm like, why was this not shown a little bit more? The crazy it, thing? It seemed like a huge thing. Yeah, the crazy thing, Janet, is I also was blown away by the look of that. It has a very tilt-shift look. And uh, people in the chat were telling me that apparently it's been on Apple Arcade for like the last year. And I completely missed what? it. So you could actually play that right now yeah. if oh, you I'm want so to. I'm so embarrassed. I really <laughs> No, that's Apple fine. I had no idea well, I either. Have, I, have, I have it. I do have it. But like, y'all know how it is, the struggle. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, another great example of that service being amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. But that's a great that's pick. Cool. It's coming out Le- to other platforms uh, this month. And what's the name of it again? Uh, Lego Builder's Journey. Okay. Unforgettable. Uh, Jeffem, under the radar? Yeah, this one may deserve to be under the radar because they only showed basically a very simple teaser trailer, but Contraband? Yes. Being from from Avalanche, you know, like a you can assume it's going to be a big AAA game, and it's a big open world co-op heist smuggling type game set in like the 60s or 70s maybe yeah 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 that i mean i'm i'm on board with anything that avalanche does just because of their tech and i like the way that they do open world games and action games and the idea of it being co-op and being focused a little i mean they they had like 
everything that they've said has like all the articles that came out have said it's a smuggling game, which I'm not sure what exactly a smuggling game is going to be. But but they also had like blueprints and stuff within the within the um, trailer of like they've clearly committed some kind of heist or something like that. And that, right. that's super intriguing to me. I, I that has always felt like an underexplored idea in action games that I want to see more of. Yeah. So. Kyle. Uh, one that almost uh, passed me by was the sequel to Far Lone Sails. Yeah. Uh, Far oh. Changing Tides uh, is what it's called. And there's going to be like underwater exploration and stuff like that. The original, really good, kind of, you know, in that sort of play dead school of like 2D puzzle solving. But what you're doing is like you're mo- you have a vehicle that you're controlling and sort of upgrading and changing as you're moving across this like very mysterious landscape. And the sequel, it seems like you're going to be like in a submarine underwater so sweet that's one that's like totally excited just based on the fact that it's a sequel to far you yeah know? like that yeah. game is really good i want to see the next step for that for sure the far franchise which <laughs> yeah. speaking of far and franchises it doesn't count as a game but is a little bit under the radar i thought during that netflix presentation which actually had a surprising amount in there like yeah we mentioned before they're making a splinter cell anime for netflix it seems like ubisoft is all in on it like they're making another far cry anime but then the part that really caught my eye is they're making a Blood Dragon anime called Captain Laserhawk. But the pitch, if you watch that, is he talks about it and he says that he wants it to be Ubisoft's version of Captain N, the old Nintendo cartoon. And so he's very much pitching Mm. it like, we're going to bring together a bunch of Ubisoft IP into this wacky anime that's from the same creator as Castlevania. And so it's like, oh, I'm curious to see like what Rayman looks like in an anime fighting a blood dragon character. So maybe we'll get to enjoy that, everybody. Um, all right. Most anticipated game other than Zelda. Key. <laughs> Very key, key point. There. Yeah. Jeff, what do you got top of that stack? Uh, it's the game that I didn't think would come out, and that's Elden Ring. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. I mean, now, now that I know that it actually exists, I, I have... Always loved from software games, despite having never beaten any of them. Hmm. Um, and I, I swear, I'll still I'll still go back to Bloodborne at some point. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish. <laughs> I believe that. you, yeah, right Jeff. Your right track there. record is perfect for saying you're gonna go back to games. Yes. <laughs> um, but this one looks cool too. I mean, it it looks it looks like more of the same of what they do but that's enough for me in this case and i and i appreciate how many times they have kind of they've continued that same formula but they're like uh let's just create an entire new world and entire new lore and you know different enemies and everything instead of just continuing to do you know the fifth and sixth and seventh dark souls and so yeah for them to be able to do that again even though this one's also kind of dark fantasy i don't i don't know what the huge differences will be there but if and if George R. R. Martin contributes anything, then I'll call that a win. But <laughs> I'm, I'm still not convinced about that either. You know what I kind of want from this uh, with a, with our, with George R. R. Martin potentially being involved is like a less opaque story, because mm-hmm. like from games, stories are always really hard yeah. to understand on purpose. Like they are designed to make you sort of dive into reading item descriptions and going online. Like it's meant to be this sort of a community puzzle that they solve is like what is happening here yeah and like sure. i don't really get a lot out of that personally i like the idea of a noted fantasy writer making it a little bit more in your face 
you know, Kyle, like make, uh, make me a little more clear. That's that's my hope for it. You know, if you listen closely, Kyle, you can hear thousands of from from software fans shouting out in terror at that notion. I believe. I know. Yeah, that. I mean, that trailer already gave us more story. I think than interesting. That's true. All of those games have kind of presented up front to you. Yeah, um, and IGN had an interview with Miyazaki that went into some more details after the fact, um, and it's going to be like six open regions there's going to be a hub that you unlock eventually that's kind of interconnecting the open regions as you go and explore and there's seems like they're leaning more heavily into capturing the enemies as spirits ign very cheekily compared to like a pokemon than like deploying those enemy spirits and that's what you can see in some of those shots so there's some details over there if you want to dive into the weeds on on elden ring um janet you got a number one you already know what it is it's that Metroid game. Yeah, I already I already bought it. I bought it yesterday. I got the special <laughs> edition. Uh, it's it's funny because I you know and this is like some people mentioned like oh I don't know but I'm surprised it's so expensive for a 2D game, uh, a 2D Metroid game. And I I am also a little surprised that it's like a regular price point. But I'm like to be honest, I just dropped like eighty nine dollars on it, so I really can't relate to not wanting to spend the money like. I yep. did that so quickly, as quickly as the internet allowed me to, given how quickly it sold out. <laughs> I'm like, everyone's saying Metro doesn't sell. And I know that's true, but then why? where are all the collector's editions? How are they all gone? <laughs> I don't understand. They only but yeah, definitely my most anticipated. Nice. Uh, looked awesome. Excited. Kyle? Um, I had a backup because I figured we'd talk about Metroid Dread. Uh, but in terms of like games that I want right now, give them to me. Uh, Metroid Dread and then Somerville. Uh, Somerville, yeah. One that I want to play right away. Yeah, that's uh, a great one. one. The other ones, other than Zelda, I, I would be happy to kind of wait for, but I'm like, I just, I want to know what that is right now. Right, know? right. Uh, yeah, WarriorWare is up there for me. Uh, Jurassic World Evolution 2, which is coming out in 2021, I'm excited for. That'll be a good time. Um, but maybe this is now the cliche lame answer. You already made fun of it in this episode, Kyle, but I think my most anticipated is Forza Horizon 5 which is coming out November 9th. Uh, I'm shocked that it won the overall E3 most anticipated according to the handful of media judges and stuff, but those that, games... That's the part I'm making fun of. The I game know. looks great. Yeah. Like, it's... Let's but it's go. just... It was, you know, surprising to see it be, like, awarded the winner when it's like, I don't know if, like... I don't think the internet analytics <laughs> made that picture. I feel like what happened with that, my guess is that people, you know, ranked them and submitted them. Like, I'm guessing that's how they came up with the results and that it was consistently high enough that right. it just ended up there which is why like whenever there were you know we did this like as an outlet i'm like i don't think we should do it that way because then you end up with something that like not anyone's that passionate about but everyone can agree is not a bad answer that's how but super yeah, mario odyssey that. yeah it's how super mario odyssey wins game of the year in 2017 over breath of the wild i think with that type of algorithm uh, ranking system um but yeah four stars and five um I am shocked that, Jeff in particular, that you have never tried the Forza Horizon games or that you haven't gotten into the last couple because they're so freaking yeah. good. I should. Especially you're, you're a big Game Pass boy. Jump in there, start playing Forza Horizon 4. You will have an I, absolute blast if you just I like know, open world RPGs. The, the problem is it's like 200 gigabytes at this point. I'm going to have to wipe out half my hard drive That's to download it. it, but I absolutely should. You're right. Yeah. Um, and, but, and the thing that was really exciting for me about that which this is terrible and i'm gonna crap all over the franchise now but it's all the weird weird mini modes that they had in there totally like, i'm driving through bowling pins and this is just like a giant ridiculous stunt course like and there's always ridiculous like events and stuff in forza horizon but it seems like they definitely are taking that direction for forza horizon 5 which yeah janet mentioned is taking place in mexico it seems like a cool environment it looks 
gorgeous. I mean, they just held on these shots of the environment and it just looks like a photo. It's absurd. Um, but then they are keeping the Eliminator from Forza Horizon 4, which is the Battle Royale, which we talked about on this podcast a while ago. It's surprisingly fun. And then kind of ratcheting it up even beyond that and having a bunch of silly mini games. Like, okay, here's a bunch of pinatas. You have to go pop. We have the bowling alley. And also you can create your own arcade stuff. So just having a little bit of that zaniness in here, it's it's definitely going to become Microsoft's Fortnite. There's no doubt about it. But I think they're they're inching in that okay. direction, which is which is cool. And so I'm very much looking forward to it. And it's fun that like, you know, with no Sony here, that when it comes to the big wow next gen racing game, it seems like visually Forza Horizon Five got that. Uh, it won the race, if you will. Uh, so please look forward to that along with me. Um, any other big things we haven't hit yet for me three twenty twenty one? Atomic Heart looked crazy and good. Mm, That's true. Also, Stalker 2, that was one of my biggest surprises I forgot to mention. Uh, Just the fact that that was the second game shown at the Microsoft press conference. That very Metro-looking game. Obviously, the lineage is is their kind of sister series in a way. But for Stalker to come back in such a big way and look so cool and bizarre, like creatures from another dimension warping in and out of reality. And Kyle, you mentioned, I think, that it looks like Ghostbusters where you're like wandering around trying to track those creatures right. in that environment it looks really cool it's like a demon tornado attacking a pig till it explodes it's just like some good effed up sci-fi that i'm very into yeah it, it kind of seems like this is going to be a good generation for not in a derogatory way but kind of those b-tier games uh that like a smaller studio can make a game that has a really big impact and hopefully finds a bigger audience than in previous years because I think the technology just kind of supports boosting those games and making them look, you know, that much better and making them that much more approachable for other people to play. It, not everything has to be a triple A, you know, game with 10 studios working on it to have that kind of impact this time around, hopefully. Yeah, for sure. Well, let us know in the comments what you thought of E3 2021. Pretty good show overall. There's enough to there's enough for us to feast on for a while on this podcast and for for gamers across the land. Um, hey, Kyle, do you know how this whole thing operates? Is it E3 Vibes? It's E3 Vibes, which you can find at patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. If you want to jump in there and support us at any tier, you can access the Discord and a bunch of other benefits. It's a wonderful time to support us. We'd appreciate the support. Uh, And thanks to our biggest supporters, I'm talking about folks like the Best of the Rest podcast. They say, each week on Best of the Rest, we take a second look at a superhero movie that was poorly received upon release and only talk about what the movie does well. It's sometimes a challenge, but always a good time. Best of the Rest is hosted by community member Chris Logan, who's watching us live right now in the Backstage Pass. Uh, along with friend and comic book expert Andrew Williams. Together they aim to create fun, positive, and entertaining discussions on movies that the internet usually tears apart. Jump right into the latest episode in Ghost Rider or check out the past episode on Batman Forever. And be sure to subscribe to hear future episodes like The Amazing Spider-Man 2, available wherever you get your podcasts, if it's the best. Oh, hang on, one more time. It's the best of the rest. Thanks, folks. Uh, Also, thanks to Fixture Gaming. They want everybody to know about the Fixture S1, which is the clip that you put on your Switch Pro Controller, which has a mount for the screen, so you can play with the Pro Controller on the go. It works amazingly well. And the Fixture S1 Pro Controller clip is available on Amazon and the Fixture Gaming website. It's available in either gray or red and blue, and it's $35. But, Kyle, here's the catch. If you use the Mm -hmm. promo code MINMAX, two N's, all one word, you get $5 off the Fixture Gaming Fixture S1. And I swear to God, this is unprompted, but we had Brett Hunter submit a comment or question 
for this episode of the podcast where he says, P.S. I got the Fixture S1 Pro Controller mount and it's the only way I'm going to play the Switch from now on. So thanks for the recommendation. So look at that. Nice. Good supporters, good sponsors. Uh, also thanks to the Call Me By Your Game podcast. They say there's at least one video game that's close to your heart from an impactful, specific moment in your life. Call Me By Your Game is a podcast that dives into these very experiences. It's an intimate look at what makes video games special for different people. On each episode, our host, Connor McCabe, sits down with a guest to discuss a special game from their past. They dive into what the guest loved about the game and also what was memorable about the time in their life when they first fell in love with it. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts and maybe someday you'll call me by your game. Latest episode is all about Catan Classics. You can check that out. Also, thanks to our dear friends at i8bit. They want everybody to know that you can get the Manifold Garden soundtrack on vinyl, uh, but also comes with a digital download. Uh, it's a double album with stunning architectural pop-up album art by The Fourth Focus, and this is a limited edition. There's only 1,000 of these made, so if you enjoyed Manifold Garden or just enjoyed the music by Larissa Okada, you can go check that out, and you can use the promo code SOLSTICE for 10% off, and that applies to everything in im 8 bits wonderful online store, Solstice, for 10% off everything under $100. And because im 8 bit is a wonderful supporter of ours and very generous with the community, each and every week they ship out a prize to who we deem has the finest question of the week. And so this week we're gonna go through all these wonderful community questions, and then the best question, as we deem it, will receive the What the Gulf vinyl soundtrack, which is... A wonderful game from a couple years ago, I believe. Um, but it's a great soundtrack as well. And so thanks to i8bit for shipping that out. And you can thank them by going to that store and using the promo code SOLSTICE for 10% off in the i8bit wonderful online store. All right, we have a lot of great community questions to get to. Um, Kyle, would you like to honor the community in the finest way you can by just giving them one big clap? Are you ready? Yep. Sarah Podzorski, welcome back to the show. Uh, Good to be back. Minmax is streaming compatriots, streaming every single Tuesday over there at twitch.tv slash Minmax show. Um, last night you were streaming Chicory, A Colorful Tale? It's Chicory, A Colorful Tale. Okay. Um, yeah, so one of the new games, I think it was shown at the Summer Games Fest, and it was shown at Wholesome Games. Right, right. And it's, it's such a weird release time i know like the last of us released around the e3 window and so maybe other games just think well last of us did it so we can do it but i feel like chicory is really getting buried uh because it would just yeah it's hard right. to not get steamrollered by news yeah yeah but like the reviews were absurdly good for this thing mm-hmm. is it that good that's what made me pick it up is it good yeah it is it's giving me sort of um like undertale vibes okay where you don't really know it's like Undertale, but more polished in a way. Like, you don't really know what you're walking into, but this is definitely more of, like, a well-rounded game. So I don't want to... You don't want to give away the spoilers of the game, but right. I've just been having a really great time with it. The mechanics are amazing. The boss fights are really good. The writing's good, and there's just so much to... It's not going to take a... It's like, it's not a long game. Right. I'd say maybe, like, ten, a 10-hour ten game. But it's, like... just really... But it's like you're a dog with a paintbrush and you're like bringing color back to the world. That's like the weird artsy pitch. Yeah. So basically the world has lost all of its color and there's someone called the wielder who wields a paintbrush. And, and, you know, it's kind of like passed down from artist to artist. But your artist, whose name is Chicory, um, no longer wants to wield the paintbrush. Right. So you're actually not the wielder. You're the janitor. 
And nice. you're like a big fan of chicory and you take the paintbrush because she can no longer fulfill her duty and there's something going on in the world. And now you're the one that has to go and like color it and defeat monsters and solve puzzles and figure out what's happening. Okay. Um, it's just really cute, really wholesome. It does get a little spooky in some areas. Really? I will say. It, that's, that's the Undertale vibe that it pulls in a little bit. I'm so bit. excited about this. Because yeah, like it gets uh, really weird. Like when I heard about it, I thought... You know, I thought it was what it said it was, which is like, well, bring Cooper yeah. back, and you know, and, and mm-hmm. all the trailers are just like, like a coloring book, and then they're like, right. yeah. wow, and then there's like blue, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm down, but everyone's like, no, man, like I started crying at one point. I'm like, what happens in this painting game? I don't want to know. I want to okay. find out myself, yeah. but I'm very excited because it sounds like it, it's a lot more than it seemed on the surface. It is. It is. I go from like la 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 to like ah. What the hell? Okay, Chicory, yeah. everybody. Check it out. Or you can check out uh, Sarah's stream over there on Twitch. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Community questions. Uh, Sarah, I need you to remember each and every one. Because oh we my need to remember which oh one no. is the absolute best. So I was just, so worried about this. Yeah, just kind of, kind of keep a mental note of which one is okay. objectively clearly the best so they can win the prize. Okay. Uh, Tom Blackburn writes in over on Patreon and says, This is a question for all of you. Can I have the great prize for my mate bit? That's a great question. It is a really good question. Um, no so one's ever thought just to ask. I don't think so. Yeah. So let's all remember because that might end up being number one question. So okay. it's, a, it's okay. a good, smart play, Tom. Anyways, Chris Logan writes in. He says, hey, Hanson and the Horts. Uh, I guess that's all of you. Uh, which one excites you more when it's revealed? The game you went into the show hoping to see or the game you had no idea even existed at E3? It's, no idea. Yeah, the no idea. It's it's the something yeah, I that so. I now want that I didn't know existed before E3. That's the sweet spot. It's always fun to party with Doctor Strange, you know? It's like, all right, what's going on here? A man of mystery. Let's, let's, what is this? I don't know what it is, but maybe I want it now. Yeah, and that's like, that's the peak E3 fun, I think, is seeing a trailer and getting those reactions of trying to guess what it is before they reveal it. And yeah, that's the way you go. Instead of just like, okay, now it's Breath of the Wild sequel. Now I'm going to just brace for trying to analyze every frame and either be disappointed or overjoyed. It's so much more fun to get struck out of left field with these things. Uh, Wesley Barbary writes in and asks, Hey, been in the TLCs. Uh, this week during the Metal Slug Tactics announcement, someone, I forgot who in the MinMax reaction, said, I hope it eventually comes to Switch, because that's a perfect Switch game. Since, as of now, it's PC only. What does that mean when a game is a perfect Switch game? I think it means it's a game that you want to be able to just curl up on the couch with and have, like, a foot in front of your face. Yeah, I think there's a certain like pick up and playness, you know, something that's like short bursts that's crucial compared to some immersive story experience. I would say any game that I want to play. <laughs> and I would just leave it at that. Yeah, so Chicory is like ideal Switch game if it ever comes there. I mean, the drawing aspect, I'm not using my uh I'm using my mouse, but yeah, I think Chicory would be really good on Switch. I can see it having like a second second wave there. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, is it just as simple as that? Is that it's most fun yeah. to play any game on the Switch, so everybody just wants it on the Switch? But I don't know, like even it's, seeing... Oh, go ahead, Jana. Except for really like more powerful games. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm all for like third-party support because like I'm a Nintendo fan, so I have to ask for third-party support every generation until <laughs> one of us dies. Yeah. Probably be me first. Right. You know, no spoilers for the future. Um, but yeah, like I ain't going front. Like I loved Control. 
Control Cloud version on Switch, mm, don't do it. I, I don't recommend it. I just think it's better to play it on something that can handle the performance, especially for a game like that that had so many performance issues at launch. So, But other than like stuff that I feel like is too powerful for the Switch or the port is really bad, like FIFA on Switch, that's only fun if you just really want to play FIFA on the plane. Like you just want to practice some drills, whatever, but like that's not a good place to play it. Um, but other than that, yeah, like a game that I can just throw on Netflix, like a Netflix game. Like I'm yes, chilling. Yep. I don't got to pay a lot of attention. A little bit grindy or like a repetitive task that you don't need to think about a lot. So even like, you know, platformers, uh, building games, sim games, uh, you know, visual novels, not as, but even those, then you can just focus on that. It's like, Treat like a little yeah, book. Switch, is, yeah. switch is perfect. Right, for damn near everything. Uh, Mike Spam writes in and says, now that what was formerly E3 week has concluded. Have we just witnessed the death of the semi-public E3 vertical slice game demos? As a layperson, one of the most obnoxious things about E3 week was seeing dozens of outlets and influencers talk about behind closed doors game demos where footage wasn't allowed to be captured, but they were allowed to talk about how cool what they saw or played was. Obviously, embargoed slash no footage demos will never go away, but considering how much developers discuss hating the E3 demo crunch, will this practice soon be a thing of the past? Happy Jeff Keighley's Summer of Gaming running concurrently to E3, everyone. Same to you, Mike Spam. It's a great question. I mean, I'm guessing... I haven't heard developers talk about it yet, but it must just be this wave of relief that they don't have to, you know, crunch like maniacs to get this unnecessary demo out there just so journalists could talk about the behind-closed-doors aspect. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with that because I was never, like, a journalist, but I feel like because marketing is changing... They would rather give the game to an influencer than I feel like give it to a journalist. I don't know. That just seems to be what's happening. Yeah, but at the same time, if they're going the influencer route, that's true. But like, I think inviting an influencer to like, all right, you get to come to this behind closed doors thing. I think they might even be more hype about like, you know, like influencers do. Hey, YouTube, you wouldn't believe what I saw of Guardians of the Galaxy. There's this crazy level. There was a cube and they fought it and they shot it. And then there was a joke about tentacle porn. Like. I feel like you can still lean into that same structure with just influencers instead of press. I'm really glad you brought up that tentacle porn joke because I oh. feel like no one talked about it. Honestly, <laughs> it stood out to me. Nobody a lot was in actually conference. watching it. Yeah, everybody like, I noticed that out. too, and I remarked on it when I watched it. But yeah, uh, retroactively, I like to add that to weirdest thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, officially noted. Yeah. But yeah, Jeff, as somebody who's been to dozens and dozens and dozens of these behind closed doors E3 demos, like, what do you think the future of that is? Yeah, I, I think it is going away, and I think I think they will try to bring it back, or at least E3 will want them to bring it back as soon as they can do it um, in person again, and just kind of. I, I think they like having that separate time where you can talk, where you can privately talk to you know the developers or whatever, just to kind of get those extra stories and that that extra coverage out of it. But I think if you're going to go through that trouble to make that kind of demo. Like, just record it yourself and put it out on YouTube like Rockstar does, and you'll get so many more millions of eyeballs on it than you would from whatever coverage of a person secondhand saying, you know, this was cooler, that wasn't cooler, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it is, I feel like we're always saying this, but the next E3 is going to determine the fate of E3. Now that we've had this year of doing things remotely, this all-digital E3, which probably saved publishers millions and millions of dollars... Like, the big test will be who is doubling down next year on this thing. And it's really bizarre just to see yeah. E3's messaging. I mean, even the official official stream when it kicked off, they threw to, like, the mayor of L.A. 
in like within the first three minutes of E3, and he just got in there and he's like, he's he goes, Los Angeles is a gaming city, and we're looking forward to E3 2022 because we're all going to be back there celebrating together. So like they're really trying to make it seem like this is going to be the place to be next year, and I just don't know if the publishers are fully on that same train. Yeah, and and even if if we do kind of go back a little bit towards that, I I still feel like. If you're if you're gonna do demos like that, in-person demos, then the the next step is okay, well then make it so make it more fan geared and and go to more like PAX, you know, Comic Con kind of events where a ton of people can go through and play it and get a larger word of mouth. But but oh. I mean why they don't do that is because sometimes it's still pretty rough. I mean, that's why yeah. they're not uploading all this. That's why it's like they need that layer of okay, we will only invite people we trust here. And we know that, you know, a big outlet like IGN isn't going to have their preview be like, this game crashed twice, you know. Whereas if they uploaded YouTube video of State of Decay 3 crashing 1,400 times, that's a different story. So I still think there's that buffer that (laughs) they need. I guess. But in that that case, then just, yeah, do the the Rockstar version of it where you can film it yourself and you're not going to put out a demo that crashes on YouTube, but you'll get just so many more eyeballs on it and so much more buzz. And also I think the fans will be less judgmental and less critical in terms of like, you you can kind of almost hear it in this question even of like, oh yeah, you have this behind the closed doors thing. Right, like, right. Do people even trust us when we say that it's good? Specifically for that reason, are we overlooking these kind of bugs and things that probably aren't going to be in the game when it finally comes out? Like people are are always going to trust their eyes more of what they can actually see for themselves. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Winterborn submits a comment over on Patreon or a question uh, and says, what are the most specific nitpicks with otherwise amazing reveals from E3? This is this is good. It's time to get nitpicky, everybody. Um, some of mine were Breath of the Wild 2, largely looking identical graphically to one. The Advance Wars remaster redesigned the character art when it was really flawless in the original style, and the hair tech in Elden Ring. It was the only thing that stood out to me as blocky slash last slash last gen. I love that, Ricky. Diving in that that hair in Elden Ring, bringing it down a couple points in that review scale. It's an abomination. Does anybody have some nitpicks? Yeah, this is a shout out to the uh, Japanese gaming industry. Just because you recorded the voice line doesn't mean it has to go in the trailer. Um, you don't have to put a lot of nonsensical voice lines in a trailer. Some music mm. and maybe some narration. That's all you need. And you don't need. You're talking specifically no, no, no. about repeating. Uh, I came for chaos. Chaos it's is not for even me. Chaos, but like there was the Monster Hunter Stories trailer, which was like, what would it mean to be born? They said that at the very end, and I was like, the what the? I'm like, you don't need to put that in there. And okay. then you know, with the tales of, they always do their like battle cries, like it's time to get toasted, and it's like you almost don't need to put that in there. <laughs> just because you paid money a lot of money to record that and translate it doesn't right. mean it has to go in the trailer what is up with the trend i feel like kingdom hearts 3 really kicked this off in a big way that i noticed but those trailers namely or like specifically there are a lot of japanese trailers that 
just does not have sound effects. Like it'll start out with sound effects and music and then the sound effects will just cut out. So it just feels incredibly uncomfortable. Maybe it'll have yeah. some voice lines here and there and then it's just, mm -hmm. eh, here's some music and it's just this weird discordant thing. Do you have any insight into why that's like Honestly, a Japanese trend? I've been trying to figure out, like I've been like prodding people and like trying to figure it out. I have, I have no clue. I honestly have no clue. So They're trailers, and it's, like, consistently the same thing, like, no sound effects, weird voice lines taken out of context, yeah, and then a bunch of cutscenes spliced together. So you're like, I don't even know what the game is. Did you work on a lot of game trailers when you were doing localization? No, but, like, we, we would have to pre-record certain voice lines because you knew it was going to be used in, like, marketing or in trailers or, like, certain cutscenes would be recorded first. Yeah. And those lines would be looked at first and, like, really scrubbed through first because you knew that they needed to use them for something. But I don't know, like, maybe if you've worked in the Japanese industry for seven years, like... A line like, I wonder what it's like to be born doesn't strike you as odd anymore. <laughs> but then when you put it in like an E3 thing with a bunch of other trailers, it yeah. really stands out. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, all right. I got to, I have some nits to pick. Uh, the uh, WarioWare. Delighted WarioWare is back. But I also watched like the Treehouse Live 10 minute demo thing of WarioWare. And Janet, I promise this will just be a short 30 minute conversation about WarioWare. But. Sure. I think it really hurts the WarioWare formula to have it all be about controlling this character on the screen doing the actions instead of jumping from micro game to micro game where you're directly controlling the weird game itself. Like having that one layer removed where like it's no longer you put the golf ball in the hole. Maybe this is a bad example, but now it's like, okay, now you have to be WarioWare or Wario running over there to push the golf ball in the hole. Like... And it also hurts the kind of identity of all of the micro games as well. Because like some of the fun is just seeing that art style shift so rapidly and they all look so different. And now when it's like, okay, it's different art styles, but it's always going to have 9 Volt in each of them or Wario in each of them. It kind of hurts the personality a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, that's a good one. I think we all kind of had that reaction while we were, while we were watching it of like, oh, it's WarioWare. Oh, wait, what's going on with these characters now yeah yeah still worry we're on switch it'll still be game of the year there's no doubt but you know just uh some questions that's all anybody else have any other ones great Except for in warrior where when they cut to animal crossing and i it was like they accidentally got like the animal crossing micro game i was like yeah just rub salt in that wound no updates for us <laughs> yep it's fine I won't read into it, Nintendo. Yeah, you get to pop a balloon. It's basically like a big Animal Crossing event in WarioWare there. It was giving me like Amiibo Fest flashbacks. <laughs> uh, Bryce writes in and says, Hey, Vin Maxer is happy E3. And to you too, Bryce. Uh, I hope this question doesn't come across as a downer. Oh, this is when E3 turns sour, by the way, everybody, for these oh, questions. Okay. Um, I All hope right. it doesn't come across as a downer, but it was disappointing for me to see everything announced at the Microsoft Showcase. I mean, I'm happy for all the Xbox players who are finally getting some console exclusives, but the fact that they're making Bethesda properties exclusive is really tough to see as a big fan. Buying Bethesda was not just smart business on Microsoft's part, but a real win for Xbox gamers, and I'm happy for them. But I guess my question is, am I being ridiculous or are a lot of people going to feel burned by this whole thing? So what we know is Starfield and uh, the new Arcane game are Xbox slash PC exclusive. As an Xbox Game Pass holder who had it previously, I'm worried the price, I'm just worried that the price is going to go up. 
That's interesting. Because they've been... St- it's it's really good. This is my plug. Xbox Game Pass is really good on PC, but they've been, like, steadily raising the price, and with all these new games coming out, I'm like, okay, like, I don't really want all of the games. Honestly, they, they could raise the price by $7, and Oof. maybe they'd lose... My cup runneth over. I think they'd lose 7% of the audience. I, I really... Know, like, I think people are fine. I think it'd have to be like smaller than that because like you can do a small like price creep like we saw that with Disney Plus too. Exactly. Like, All right. Well, that's a good example. I'm not going to not watch Loki. Yeah, like, that's you know, the thing. And that's I'm not fine. saying they should raise the price, but I'm saying I think that a lot more people would stick around for a price raise because it's like I, I don't know. Many ideas. They're I know. Listening. They're yeah, listening you're right probably now. right. It would like, be a see, disaster if they raise the price. Everyone would <laughs> just flee from that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I would. So. I would lower it if I was going to do anything. Into the depths yeah. Of the earth. Yeah. yeah, I'd burn my house down. I would just panic. I wouldn't know what to do. Um, but I assume there are people like Brace out here that are really upset, naturally, that new Bethesda games are going to be exclusive to, to Microsoft stuff. I haven't seen that outrage on the internet, but there's always corners of the internet that I'm not fully tapped into. Uh, you know, the idea of Thank like God. God of War, you know, being cross-gen and releasing on PS4 now. Apparently there was a great outrage about that. I didn't see any of it, so... I guess it's, uh, you know, out of harm's way for me, but I'm guessing there's a lot of outrage, but is Bryce being unreasonable for being pissy about this? I mean, I think breakups are hard, you know? Like, it's like, you know, that comment's very much giving me, like, Olivia Rodrigo sour vibes, which, like, it's all right. Throw the album on and, like, just mourn for your franchises. Like, I can't say that... I will say that I can't say that I relate to that feeling as someone that... Um, as of decently recently, as of Xbox One era, I now have all of the things. So I'm like, oh, you nice. can't take any games from me because I spent way too much money on everything. Uh-huh. I'm everywhere. Whereas, <laughs> like, I feel like with gaming, and obviously this is, you know, part of the privilege of being in this industry where you can justify and write off stuff on your taxes and, and request stuff and all that. But I feel like, constantly feel like Arthur when he comes home from the library in that one episode where they're like, you're an I'm gonna read all those books and I'm like I don't care and I'm riding my bike and the, the games are falling off of it so I can't relate to not being able to play something in that sense but I mean that's kind of right like they're hoping someone you know like this person writing in is going to not be able to deal with that and join the ecosystem so you know honestly I, I have to just m- mostly be excited for Microsoft because it's been years of where are the games? There right. are no games. You know, that's been like memed and talked about so much. And I think totally justified criticism from like the community standpoint that I'm I'm so excited just to see them start to really get some wins and also slightly amused at people who aren't really enjoying seeing Microsoft finally get some wins. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think it, it would hurt a lot more if this stuff also wasn't coming to PC day one. I think that is yeah. a huge component here. Yeah, I, I was going to sure. say that and... And also, like, Sony and Bethesda don't have the greatest track record to begin with. If if you were playing those games on some of Sony's consoles, you were, yeah. you've probably, you've already dealt with a lot of crap. And so I I don't know you if you would be too surprised by this coming up. I'm sure it still hurts, but yeah, they, at least in terms of exclusives, you have more places where you can play these and you have more price options for how to get access to these games than than a normal exclusive would give you plus if you're on that sony side of the fence you get to rub it in everybody's face that you get to play death loop and uh ghostwire tokyo on playstation and maybe that'll come to xbox eventually but you know you got some bethesda perks still while this you know weird lingering period lasts 
Um, Sean Mason is staying on that same train of thought, saying, I don't understand how Bethesda can commit to a release date for Starfield. We have barely seen anything, yet they are confident on an exact release uh, release date. At this point, I don't think anybody working in the game industry can honestly say the game will be ready on November 11th, 2022. Why wouldn't they just say it's coming in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's reading a little too much into that. Like, what Bethesda's really saying is they think it's going to be ready by holiday 2022. And and they're using 11.11 because that's when they release all of their games. It's not like, ah, November, November 10th would be too early, but we're going to be ready for November 11th. Like, yeah. that game's going to be done probably six months before then, and then they're going to crunch on trying to get as many bugs out, which hopefully they'll do a better job this time around. And unless unless something catastrophic goes wrong, they will release it then and continue working on it. Otherwise, they're going to have to push it. And if they have to push it, they'll push it and say, hey, we need more time anyway. So I, I yeah. don't think it's as as dire or as risky of a of a gamble on Bethesda's part. Also, because it's a long ways out still. So, yeah, people just want a date. Right. They want yeah. a date. And if you didn't give them a date, they, the first question would be, when is it coming out? So take your date, write on your calendar, and if they move it, they'll let you know. It does but feel... It gets it, it out of the way. Yeah, and it's a sign of confidence, too. Like, even mm-hmm. though if it's largely nonsense to be like, we know it's going to be ready on November 11th, 2022, it's just that thing of like, no, 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 this is on track, everybody. You can look forward to it on exactly this date. And yeah, like Jeff mentioned, like this is a nod to when Skyrim was released on November 11th. So they figured they had to pick a date. Let's go for this one. And even in interviews, Todd Howard has said they're feeling very confident about this 2022 date, but we'll see. Um, VRG writes in and says, Hey, Max, it appears that Flight Sim 2020 is next-gen only. You will be able to play it. You will only be able to play it via xCloud on an Xbox One. This is a new strategy for Microsoft. Microsoft plans to put up more next-gen only games on Xbox One via xCloud. So technically, Microsoft is keeping its promise to support last-gen for a couple of years. Do you think games like Starfield, Fable, and Perfect Dark will have simultaneous Xbox Series and Xbox One xCloud releases? It seems like a very clever way to go around this. I just assumed they were going to be doing that to begin with, but this new story broke this week of, hey, you'll be able to stream the new-gen games on last-gen, but I feel like they've already communicated that right i don't know the emphasis on cloud might be a little bit less communicated i still feel like the cloud is so new even as someone that's so tuned in and you know you could very easily argue this is a oversight on my part which i couldn't really push back on much but i honestly haven't digged into x cloud stuff that much and again maybe that's an l for me like i should you know do a better job at that but i just haven't really felt like the urgency to it's it's felt very like niche and vague to me like I, I still feel very removed from it even as someone who is in the xbox ecosystem and i think that might be one reason why this news feels kind of more new even if they've sort of touched on it because only recently they really started doubling down and pushing like okay x cloud the cloud and mentioning it a lot um but yeah i would imagine they try to take that strategy because again xbox's ethos we're everywhere we're all the time we're affordable we're working with you we will do what do we need to do Right. We're doing it. We're going to do, you to know, get they're you into very, this Xbox like, today. In, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like you're going to, you're going to do like Todd Howard's waiting outside right now. And he's like, what do I have to do to convince you to get into this Xbox today? Exactly. Like, fridge? I got a fridge for you. I <laughs> Climb in the freaking fridge. I'm doing it all. So I, I do think they would try to do that as much as they can. Cause they seem like they want to have, I feel like they want, the goal is people have no excuse to not be playing on Microsoft. We're running out of them. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, I remember, interviewing Matt Booty 
Very funny name, no doubt about it. The head of Xbox Studios uh, a couple years ago even and asking him about the idea of, with xCloud, running new gen games on old generations. And I asked him the outlandish question of like, technically you could stream Series X games on a 360, right? Uh, and he said like, well, that's definitely what we're going for. He's like, I, practically, I don't know if I'm ready to confirm that we're looking into that or anything, but like that is the idea is that on any platform, be it even an old Xbox 360, or now they're working it into TVs in the future they announced. I mean, anything that can stream stuff and get a good internet connection role in it, in theory, can play new gen Xbox games, which is crazy. Yeah, and honestly, I don't, I don't know that I would want to play any of those games that way, but that still seems more. I I would rather have that than have them kind of hamstring their next series of games in order to still have it play on last gen. Where whereas like every time every time Sony says, "Oh, hey, Forbidden West is also going to be on PS4 or whatever." I think, "Ah, oh, man, like what kind of sacrifices are you making for this yeah. next gen game?" And how and when I do finally get a PS5, am I getting an inferior you know, product because of that. Whereas with this, yeah, like maybe I'll check out Flight Simulator on X Cloud while I still have an Xbox One. But when I finally do upgrade, like I'm gonna want the best version of that game that I can play. And so this seems like a, a good way to kind of still honor that commitment of backwards compatibility, but without, you know, hurting the actual experiences for that. Yeah. And Flight Sim, free on Xbox Game Pass. It's mind boggling. Play it on your PCs. Yeah, all 300 gigs of it. Uh, Jeff Enright writes in, um, and he says, Hey, everyone, including my nemesis, Jeffum. I don't know. Uh, wow. Sarah, this question's for you, because I knew this oh, question no. was coming up, and you literally did this, like, about seven minutes ago. So here it is. Uh, I was thinking the other day about the chef's kiss demonstrative and wondering which is the right way to do it. Do you do it... Uh, okay, point all five fingers from one oh. hand, kiss while dramatically opening away, or do you yeah. touch your thumb and forefinger from one hand and fan out the other three, kiss only the two fingers while dramatically opening away? I do the, I do the full hand, five fingers to the lips. I think yeah. The two fingers, I'm not like smoking. I'm not like kissing, you know, a cigarette. <laughs> kissing my fingers. Yeah, and. Oh, Jeffum's got to go. Uh, this conversation was a bit too much for him. And that's your real with the nemesis I'm stuff. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I got to get out of here while I still can. And he is, heard his rival found him. Is it necessary to actually put the fingers to the lips? Does it need contact? No, or no, it's just kind of like... disgusting. Okay. COVID, no. that, that's when he's spreading world, COVID, yeah, too. Like, disgusting. Even your own It's about just a gesture. Okay. At all. Then, okay. All right. So it seems like everyone's in agreement. Jeffum, you're also in the same camp? Or are you frozen? Great. Now we'll never know. Jeffum will be missed. He absolutely agrees. He was actually left speechless by the thought of doing the alternative. So, <laughs> All right. Um, uh, there yes. it is. Jason Wojnar writes in uh, and says, In school, there were a ton of Resident Evil fans in my class. They were all excited when Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City was announced, and I was extremely cautious and not hyped in the slightest. The game came out, and almost the next day, everyone comes to school disappointed. What's a time in your life when everyone was hyped for a big release and your skepticism proved to be the right call? And when does it pay to be cynical? Cyberpunk. Ooh, you were cynical about it. Yeah, I was super cynical. I mean, uh, those of y'all listening know that I often at least come off as like the more cynical one, like bringing down the energy with my like grounded takes or something. I don't know. Um, But yeah, like with, you know, especially it was easy for me to be skeptical about cyberpunk because... 
I didn't play The Witcher 3 and I played a little bit of The Witcher 3 and I, you know, I was very early, so I'm not ready to make a judgment call on Witcher 3, but it wasn't like blowing my mind by any means. It felt kind of clunky. Um, and I'm also just a really big believer on, especially when it's not a continuation of, of an established franchise, that we shouldn't just say we know it's going to be good. Like that really bothers right. me when we're too like assumptive in one direction or the other on anything with games because i feel like you just never know and especially because no one played it i'm like we haven't played it They're like yeah but it looked really cool i'm like yeah but we haven't played it like no one has gone hands-on even different so style in so skeptical. many ways yeah like it was so radically different from the witcher 3 and different perspective they had so much tech work to do there were so many things that should have been bigger warning flags than they were yeah yeah but uh, it wasn't like a plot like you know cyberpunk's very complicated it's mostly like a technical issue because there were a lot of reviews that came out that were positive on yeah, it like and did game. like it um and i don't think you know i played a good amount of it and i didn't think it was like by any means a bad game but it wasn't what people kept telling me it would be which is like oh man this is gonna change like whenever anyone's like this is gonna change gaming yeah. i just feel like that's so rare that it's best to be a little bit wary of it um you know it's as those moments are so rare to happen like i think one of the only times it really did happen was Breath of the Wild, where they said it was going to be you could climb anywhere and go anywhere, and then you could. And right. it was like, whoa, like, that's crazy. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jeff, the question is, uh, in case you were <laughs> lost in another dimension, uh, a reason or a time in your life when uh, everyone was hyped for a game and you were right to be skeptical. Yeah. Um, and mine is a, a little tweak on that, but I remember um, when we were all at Game Informer still, Somebody was super excited about blockchain technology and we had to do an article on blockchain technology and I felt completely insane. I, I will say like the entire staff was like, ah, I don't know about this. This seems dumb. Yeah. But it was imperative that we do a story on how this is going to change the future of gaming. And the entire time I got assigned to it and the entire time I was researching it, I thought like, man, like, have we learned nothing from all of like all of these gimmicks in the past, but everyone was just so excited about it. And I, I'm still semi proud of that article because after I got assigned to do, a, uh, you know, how blockchain is going to change the future of gaming, the story that I kind of turned in silently was, Hey, this is blockchain technology. This is probably why it's not going to change the future of gaming and yet. It, it, yet. Yes. But it, it went through editing and it turned out, it did not change anything. So I yet. hope I hope your hand. Ha, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Anyways, the point is, hey, uh, Nick L writes in. Nick L writes in and says, "Hello, cohorts. It's June, so that means it's Pride Month. As somebody always trying to be a better ally, I can't help but look at whether a company that changes its logo to a rainbow variant is doing it for the right reasons because they believe in equality, or for the wrong reasons just to be a performative ally. What are some gaming companies you feel demonstrate an effort to fight for the queer community? Don't nod." Oh, interesting. Yeah, like I, you know, that's the first thing, especially when we think of like, even though I don't know how main, you would debate how mainstream Donut is as a studio, but I think they're very much in the public eye, you know, E3 stages and things like that. Um, yeah, they do such a, I think, a, a really good job with their representation and, you know, incorporating player choice, but not making it seem like ham-fisted. I mean, so pretty much all of their like latest releases have been queer to some degree with the most one of the more recent examples being Tell Me Why. Right. And one thing I really want to shout out from them that they do that I think is so brilliant that I want to see so many more studios do, whether it's like has to do with queerness or not, 
is to have an FAQ on their site that sort of digs into some of the potential like trigger warnings or just things that people might really want to know about. Like, for instance, they um, it was, you know, tell me why is about a trans man in part, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the story, but they have things like are will there be like slur set against this character will we see like what kind oh, of things can we expect to see and they couch that as like you know this is spoilery if you obviously don't want spoilers but there are people in the community that might want to know about that or they spent a lot of time in that game you know it takes place in alaska so they dig into those representations they discuss hey here's the research we did here here's why we did this thing and they just feel very like open and welcoming and at the like, kind of forefront of really wanting to do that research and dig in you know i'm not saying they get it right all the time or that you can certainly argue some of the people making the games, like, you know, a bunch of white guys making a game about a teenage girl. Like, it's like, okay, this is, maybe there are some gaps still to be filled, but I feel like they they do the work and they put it out there, and I really appreciate that from them. So, um, yeah. yeah, and I'd like to see that just more from studios. Content warnings, trigger warnings, things like that are really important. Yeah, uh, yeah Nick L uh, says that uh, their number one is Respawn with Apex Legends. Uh, they say they consistently work to expand mm. on the history of the characters in a way that their sexual orientation or gender identity feels authentic rather than feeling tacked on. They're also unafraid to use official company accounts to even do simple things like reminding people that Bloodhound is non-binary. That's interesting. Um, I was, uh, was watching a David Jaffe video a while ago, and I forget which one it was, but he made this quick reference to the fact that he's like, well, as everybody knows, there's a couple of Jet Moto characters that were gay back in the day. And I was like, what is it? And I went through like the character select screen trying to find like bios. If anybody knows back in the day which Jet Moto characters were gay and how they represented I'm so curious to see how that was handled back then. Um, James Ford writes in and says, hello, CLCs. Uh, where, are, where are we up to with early access? Do you personally jump in or wait? It seems like most of the success stories have been roguelites or survival games. Baldur's Gate 3 has also been one to watch, but seems to have fallen off considering the hype around it. Do we think we have a recipe for success with early access and it only uh, only suits certain genres or are we still finding out what works? Early access makes me want to yeet myself into the sun. Not only as like a game developer, but also as a player. Because, you know, some companies use it as advertising right? To get the game hyped before they actually release it. Yeah. And then other companies are genuinely using it for testing. Yeah. And people come in and they're like, this sucks. It's broken. I don't want to play it. And then you have like the middle ground when they're like, okay, our game's like not really finished yet, but we do need to release it. So we're kind of just going to do a Hail Mary. And it's truly, it's become such a mess. It's such a mess right now. It's just, it's tough to know. It, I feel like we need like some sort of, um, you know, like the old terrorism watch chart. I need some sort of scale of what style yeah. early access is this? Is this like a code red early access or is it like, ah, it's light green. You're okay to go in there. And Steam needs mm-hmm. some way to account for that because I think for stuff like, you know, survival games, rogue games, like there's so many where it's like, I think it really helps developers to be in there uh, in early access and get that feedback rolling. It's, so bizarre when a game in that genre doesn't account for that now, but it just, it's yeah. so different all over the place. And when it blows up in early access, it's really hard to keep that momentum going while you're still like putting things in your game. So right. it's just, it can make or break it. In some situations, it works out amazing. It works out great. But then in other situations, the hype dies and your game is forever remembered for whatever it was in early access. Totally. Like, I'm very curious how Valheim is going to go 1.0 and what that's going to be like, how much hype it'll have for 1.0, or is kind of the flash and pan already over? You know, like, I the only game I've 
paid for in early access that I just went all in on was Ooblets because I was so excited about that game. Oh, right. But I, I, I bought it. And I was like, I've been following it for years. Like, let's go. Same. And I still feel that, but I don't know. You know, Sarah, I'd love to hear really quick what you think about this. Like, I got in and, you know, it was so early and I, I didn't hate what I saw, but I wasn't in love with it. And I just mm-hmm. honestly decided I'm going to come back when it's done. But now I'm worried that it'll, like, how long for it to lose Never that early be done. Right? Yeah. Uh, I saw a tweet that was like, so, like, we argue so much about indie games as art, but we don't talk about them as a business. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where, like, I kind of have experience working for companies. Oh, Janet, you're back. Uh, like, working for yes. companies and, like, trying to get a game out. It's like, you do, like, you can't just post cute GIFs and cute art and dev vlogs. Like, we need a game. You need to make goals. You need to ship that b- Like, you need to get it out the door. Because I don't, it's been five years, okay? It's been five years. And you've had, you had a Kickstarter, you know, you have, like, backers. You got a Patreon. Like, ship the ship it. But then you're like, oh, we shipped early access. So it's just kind of like, you need to scale. Ublet should have, it's still just two people. And then some, you know, a handful of hired things. Like, you got to scale it. You got to dig into it. I don't know. It's just missed opportunities, really. Yeah. Uh, Chris writes in and says, Ben and the Maxers. Yeah, I tried. Thank you, Chris. Um, what's the worst thing you've done playing a game? Or your worst decision? Interesting question. I think there's it falls a... into like spoilers, so I don't know how much I want to say, but maybe I won't say what game it was. Um, and also trigger warning for like self harm suicide stuff because that is what the the situation was. And you could argue that maybe this shouldn't even be in a game, right? Ethically, but it was basically a situation where like you need to talk someone down from like jumping off a building, right? And I didn't do it, and they died, and it was just so. And again, I think you could very strongly argue that maybe that should not even be in a game. Um, but yeah, I just I felt so bad about it. Like it was because you do it was a you know story driven game. You get really invested in the characters and stuff. And like yeah, yeah, and it it just was so weird. It like felt like a personal failure. And it just yeah, that was probably like that is you know I did a, a show once with my friend years ago about darkest moments in gaming, like with decisions and stuff. Yep. And that is what we both talked about because we were both making the decision. And like I don't know, it just it was it was really sad and like really messed up. Yeah. I think this is what the Guardians of the Galaxy game referred to as haunting repercussions. <laughs> right? Like, from it's your choices. Y'all. You should and dial honestly, that down. I kind of hate hate that. I'm starting to get, it's starting to, like, chafe on me. The whole, like, we give you a good option and a bad option. Which one do you want to pick? Like, really defying your character. And you're like, I want the bad option. And they're like, ooh, boo, boo, you bad person. Boo, boo, you're gonna, we're going to drag you. We're going to drag you through the guilt swap for the rest of the <laughs> game and it's like okay i guess i'll never make another bad choice ever again god forbid i tell someone I to do the a idea flip. of a guilt swamp god i hate it i'm getting so tired of it yeah i mean we talked so much about this in the deepest dive on mass effect one but they're just i wish yeah that there were better options if you're playing renegade there other than just all right i decide to shoot somebody in the head and then move on like I, I like it when that game is a little bit more creative with like, okay, Renegade means you are supportive of the Genophage, like that kind of like blurry thing of instead of making it so clearly black and white. But yeah, I mean, without spoiling anything in Mass Effect 1, I think probably the most guilty I feel about anything in a story-driven game, yeah, is like 
having a character die in Mass Effect 1 because I thought it would be a, a real fun lark to torture them um, and be mean to this one character. Then it turns out that they can super die. <laughs> it's very sad. And when we replayed it for the deepest dive, I stuck to it because I'm like, well, that's my canonical Mass Effect is that this character goes down in a horrific way and it sucked to watch all over again. Yeah, you're terrible. Yeah, I know. Thanks. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Uh, mine... Into the guilt swamp with you. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. I'll enjoy mine, it. Um, I can't remember if I've I've mentioned this before, but when I was a teenager playing Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, I think it was, um, I thought I came up with a foolproof way to, to do the horse betting game okay. and never lose money. Um, which was basically just bet on bet on the one with the worst odds and bet a small amount. And then if you lose, just double that bet every time. And and it worked for a long time and I was making a lot of money. And then I lost like $10 million or like the amount of money that I made throughout the entire game up to that point. And then I realized I should never gamble in real life yeah. <laughs> because I couldn't stop myself and I lost everything. Have you ever gone to a casino? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been to casinos, but I've, I've never bet any kind of a, amount of actual money. I'll play like the, the, you know, like the video slots for like five cents, but I, I won't sit down at a, you know, blackjack table or anything like that. Can yeah. I make a side point on gambling and video games? So I'm playing Red Dead Redemption 2, right? Mm, great game. I do not know how to play poker or blackjack, or any sort of gambling games. And it keeps coming up in these games that I play. Red Dead Redemption 2, Yakuza, they're always like, let's play poker, let's play blackjack. And I didn't realize that this was a skill that I was going to have to know right. to play a video game. Yes. Same. And it keeps coming back. And I'm sorry, but I don't know how to play poker. And your five-page manual is not going to teach me how to play poker. Yeah, the manual is <laughs> awful. Like, I'm like, you, they're like, let's play dominoes. I'm like, let's not. I can stack them up and knock them down. That's all I can do. That's yeah, because I was like, of my oh, knowledge. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and then it's it's such a, it's such a, a rough skill to not have because it does make me feel kind of whack for not knowing. And, but then also it's hard to teach. So it's like, mm -hmm. hey, can chat teach me what these, I mean, sometimes I, I was at a point <laughs> oh, in my life once, yeah. I didn't even know what card was what card. But like, it's the this. I'm like, which, is that the one that looks like a leaf? Like, Oh, you know? sweet Jesus. I had What's chat drag me through my Red Dead Redemption 2 poker game. I had chat drag my lifeless f***ing corpse. I'm like, what does raise mean? What's a call? Okay, I'm looking at these cards. What do yes. they mean? One's a spade. The other one's a black clover. Like, what do we got here? I mean, like, you up some Uno and like, we got a game here. Like, I can rock y'all yeah. in Uno. So don't come for me about poker. Like, you know. I hear you. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know. I had probably an option to learn to play backgammon or mahjong as a kid, and I was like, ah, I'm fine. And it's rarely come up. It's just Yakuza, where it's like, okay, I could ignore mahjong, no big deal. But yeah, I think just so many game designers got into poker during like its weird renaissance around like 2004, 2005, thanks to Chris Moneymaker, and now it's like, well, it's got to be in a game. And I, Ooh, I guess I can understand too. that. I don't know how to play darts properly. What do you like, mean? I understand that you have to throw something. No, but there's like a it's weird a pointing system. system. Yeah, you can't yeah. have more than like X. Yeah, yeah. Like three hundred one. Literally, you understand the pain. Like, and it was oh my god. I like flashbacks to my watch. Two? Did you no, play Watch Dogs? No, Watch Dogs Legion had it, but like it's everywhere. 
It's everywhere. And I was so, oh my God, it was the pain, the pain, the flashback pain of uh, my hands-on preview. Like, it's like, I'm playing, the developers are watching me oh, play. Or like, no. maybe like community manager, you know, people on the dev team, right, are watching me play um, and, you know, answering questions. And it's like, I have to do this, I have to, I think you have to win too. Like, you have to win <sighs> to get like this mission that I want to do. So like, I'm like, oh, this poor soul walking myself through how to, oh. and they have the tutorials up there. And Final Fantasy, same with the luck materia. I'm like, Right, y'all expect too much of me yeah. from this. Three hundred one in darts in. is, is so simple compared to. I understand poker being yeah, it's a little bit of a learning curve, but still, you should learn to play poker. It's it's fun. We have to know. learn, Sarah. This should be a community goal. Learn because the Let video games how to play. Me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, there we go. That's the worst decision you can make is playing poker. Is um, not learning how to play poker and then playing video games. Yeah. yeah smart. Game. Yep. Uh, Philly Yeatsteak submits a question over on Patreon uh, and asks, how do y'all separate your work lives and personal lives? For me, I have a separate phone for work, which makes it easy for me to disconnect and switch mindsets. How do you do it when your job and your interests overlap so much, especially during E3? Hmm. Hmm. Jeffum, you seem top-notch at this. Yeah, uh, instead of having a separate work phone, I still just have my one phone, but I'll just put it in a different room when I'm not when I'm not expected to be working on something. Although I'm sure that drives you crazy, Hanson. It's when been you're... yeah, there's probably been four times or so since Finmax launch where I'm like, Jeff, I'm, I really need to talk to you, and just there's no way of getting to you. I need to drive yeah. to your house, and even then, that's a fifty fifty chance of whether or not you'll open the door for Christ's sake. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, that's fine. But that's how I do it. <laughs> Yeah, and, and did you learn this over time, or is it just something that's natural to you? Yeah, I mean, it's I'm I've struggled with it as you know much as anybody has, but I I think it it's also just been I've been less on social media as well, and that's right. that's a whole different beast to try and kick. Um, but once you do it, you feel pretty good. So yeah, I have I've been trying. Yeah, we talk- take my phone here. <laughs> I'm giving it to you through the screen. Please take it and keep it from me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talk about it a lot on Better Quest, our show about getting better, where we set personal goals for ourselves each and every month. Uh, check it out on our YouTube channel or on the Patreon exclusive podcast feed uh, with Jeff Cork. But anyways, um, yeah, like I, I've gotten really good about limiting, well, basically not having any social apps on my phone. And then the ones I have, even like Discord and Slack and uh, YouTube, I have it set for like a two-minute timer. So it locks out after two minutes. Uh, and that's definitely helped in a big way. And then also, like, I think um, I'm I'm really happy when I'm spending time away from work stuff. And I just realize, like, I'm so relieved that I don't have any of that pressure to, like, keep mixing my personal life with my work life. Like, I feel like I'm very open and I blather into a microphone all the time for min-max stuff. But it's like, I don't really get into, like, family stuff that often or... You know, not throwing shade at anybody that does this, because a lot of people do, but every once in a while when I see, like, those posts of just, like, check out my cute boyfriend or girlfriend, or we're going on a sweet trip on Twitter or Instagram, it's just, like, this wave of relief. Like, I'm so happy I don't do any of that, where it's just, like, my time with my girlfriend's just my time, and, like, do have at least that line in the sand of, like, we're not, we're not going to do that. I don't need... Uh, a community to infiltrate my personal private life. They can just infiltrate my gaming private life. That feels like a good boundary to set. 
Um, I have like no boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it. yeah, yeah, right. It's not good. I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I could go on for a long time. Um, I, I think I'm really extreme in some cases because I kind of need to be because I don't set boundaries in other places. Like I am on social media all the time. Like yeah. I'm replying to stuff all the time. I do post photos of my boyfriend with his permission and stuff, which, like, right. you know, it's obviously being a, a woman in games is kind of different where it's like, if I don't periodically mention that I have a partner, sometimes people get weird that's about it, too. So it's like kind of it's kind of nice, actually. Yeah. Um, but that's obviously a whole nother layer of things. But for me, uh, I try to do different things. Uh, I do try to give myself like some pure days off where I'm not even gaming basically at all which is really hard to do and I'm not going to front. I can't tell you the last time I didn't do anything for work on a day, which is really awful. Um, but that is my truth. Um, and I try to take vacations more often and those vacations, I'm really off the grid gaming wise. Like I'm playing very little to nothing or only stuff that's so irrelevant that doesn't matter. And I, I know people find that kind of extreme and I know a lot of people in the industry who they'll game all the time. They're like, it's vacation time. I'm finally going to finished you know ratchet and clank i'm like i'm not i'm literally actively not going to play it because this is the kind of thing i would do to keep up with content and everything so i'll like just go left field when i do have time to myself i'm like i'm not playing any games i'm just watching tv or i'm just reading or doing these other things um other than that yeah it just gets really complicated because games take so long to play and it's just like it's a it's really hard to balance it all um i think sometimes setting goals just for my own personal life, like spending time with my family and really being active on that. Something I'm really, really trying to do, especially after, you know, everything with COVID or during COVID, I think kind of puts a lot of things in perspective for me. And this is someone that's naturally getting older like everybody else. I'm like, you know, I say my family and my relationship is more important than anything, but I'll move a lot around to make space for the work I have to do. And yeah. I won't really keep the same energy for my family. And like, that's really hard to admit to yourself, but I feel like admitting that is like my first step to really trying to be active about spending time with the people that actually care about. Cause the truth is like, none of this stuff matters. Like I can, I can get a job doing anything. I can live and have that be an okay life. But like, I only have so much time with my family and with my dad, who's getting older and with my partner who I say, I want to be there for and support. So I'm just kind of trying to keep that stuff in check. And for me, that's how I balance stuff. Yeah. And then, like I said, not playing as many games when I'm not making content. Like I stream so much. I do other stuff. I review, yeah. you know, other than that, I'm just not playing stuff. Yeah, and and you feel okay being on Twitter that much? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I was like born in Twitter. I mean, I got on like probably ten years ago when I was yeah. like a teenager. So yeah, that's a very different thing. But like, I I honestly feel like leveraging social media is why I have my career. Um, and I think I have a lot of examples yeah. as to why that's true. Like almost all of them, right? Like right. I only know y'all because I'm on Twitter. Like yeah. that's you know, and I'm visible and I put out my work. So, but for me, that just feel very natural. If that's stressful to you, I would say, obviously, don't do it. But for me, like, I love that. I love putting out my thoughts, making polls, talking to people, blocking people who are awful. Like, mm. I'm, I, I do it and I have a good time on there, genuinely. But if you don't, like, God, please don't be on there all the time if you hate it. But I actually have a really good time on Twitter. Yeah. I find every once in a while when I'm compelled to check my phone or even just go to my computer, which I also have timers on for Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. I, I basically have timers set for everything in my house. <laughs> um... But, uh, Everything's just going off at once. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's it. And then I just have to sit and stare out the window. But every once in a while, I'll check myself and just think, what am I looking for here? Why am I so compelled? What's the best case scenario for me booting up Twitter? Like, somebody says, you see hey. one of my tweets. I think that I'm is like, number I one. I was thinking the same this thing. I'm like, you see a picture of me and my boyfriend on vacation. Yeah. For no <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. I, Sarah, are you, like, when you check your phone, what are you, what are you looking for? 
What, what are you applying um, to immediately? When I check my phone, I check Twitter. Usually I'm looking for, like, game news. Like, I'm looking for, like, the cutest indie games, like, that I want to see or, like, any kind of news. Um, I check my... I'm always on my Discord because, obviously, I have a Discord for my own streaming community. Okay. So it's very different because we are from two different, like, spectrums. Like, we... I... Dan and I are from the era of, like, the personal brand. Interesting. Yeah. Where to get more followers and to get more support, you almost have to share bits and pieces of yourself with people to kind of make them feel more connected with you. And, like, that's required, like, for, like, streaming. It's, like, hard to stream without sharing that kind of stuff. Um, but you do have to find a line between, like, I can share a little bit, but then there's, like, you shouldn't share too much. So there's a balance of who you want to sort of show yourself as yeah versus who you want to keep private so that's like that's the work-life balance do you feel like you've hit that line a couple times without diving into details of where you're like "Ah, i was probably sharing a bit too much like i I think i I mean i do definitely i tend to be an oversharer um a little bit you know we've all fallen in that a little bit but i think i'm pretty i'm pretty good about it because i've been doing it since like like eight four was kind of like you're learning about how much should I share how much, like, what are people interested in? And then I found out people were more interested in my personality. Like, I don't play game good. I don't game good. My <laughs> gameplay, not good, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. But, like, I, I know that I can be funny and I can be engaging. And sometimes you just have to share a little bit to get a little bit back. I don't really have a problem with sharing things um it's just that every minute that i'm spending on the internet it's taking me away from you know the connections that i have in the real world and doing things out in the real world and i i guess i don't know i've become increasingly jaded with kind of the toxicity of the internet and i have a hard time dealing with that or compartmentalizing that and not letting it affect me so it's it's more of that like anytime i I interact with our community, especially like it's always positive and yeah. I always walk away from it feeling good. It's just that it's, it's hard for me to, to do that, you know, on a daily basis. And, and like, once I start falling into that rabbit hole, I, I too am always on my phone, like just kind of scrolling and I don't know why I'm doing it and I have a hard time stopping it. So it's, yeah, I try and put the brakes on that and kind of compartmentalize that before it, before I run away with it too much. Yeah, and I've never had to justify this, but in my mind, I've reasoned for why I'm so addicted to checking for feedback every once in a while. Is just like, yeah, the way I would describe it to somebody is like, yeah, imagine if there was just a constant trickle of comments about your personality and your work performance just in some feed online, just a never-ending stream. Like, how often would you check that? describing Twitch chat? I mean, Twitch chat, but, like, even the Discord, YouTube comments are, like, a big one for me. Like, I check that crap so much. It's like, how can you not look at that? Like, it is it is so incredibly compelling. I understand there's downsides to it, and I have tried to limit myself on it, but it's just, like, this irresistible thing of... Uh, maybe it's a certain amount of narcissism, and healthier people can be like, whatever, you know, as... As Jeff Bacalar uh, from Giant Bomb now once said, like, the answers for your life aren't in there. Like, don't don't go digging through the comments. You're not going to have some epiphany about your soul. Let's check again, just to make sure. What's yeah. that? Yeah, exactly. And like, healthier people don't have that. I'm like, you know what? Healthy people aren't here right now. It's okay. You know, it's funny, though, because, <laughs> you know, my partner doesn't have, like, that same online-ness. And I was talking about it to him about it the other day, where I'm like, yeah, like, not to be, you know, rude, but, like, you don't 
really get it because you like oh it's a really weird job like it's not like anything else and you know finally he just go like he goes on this little rant which honestly made me feel like better for the rest of my life and i'm like you should give this rant to every journalist and content creator and he was just like why is like uh, you know it's fine to read stuff and to engage and you know it's like but why should it matter if someone who like do- doesn't like you but they commented. He's like, they do like you because they're here. They chose to be here. Right, so they do. Right. They're just like, you know, and he had like this and he is like a, a dev, like a web dev person. So totally different side of his brain working all the time. And he just gave me like all these comments about like why that stuff doesn't matter as much. And like, I don't know, it was really refreshing. So I think, you know, one way I balance is by having stuff in my life and people in my life that aren't about games and content as much as I, I really love being here. And I find that like hella refreshing. But having a space for not any of that mm-hmm. is really nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, what do y'all like for question of the week? I mean, that seemed like Sarah a should pretty, pick. pretty hard conversation. I always have to, to top, pick. Whenever I come on, I have to pick. Because you're always like not in here as often, and I get excited I to see you. I always have to pick. All right, Sarah. I mean, everybody agrees that it's almost 100% <laughs> your camp here. So always people should start like paying me behind the scenes to pick their questions whenever I'm going to be on Smart. the next podcast. I'm just going to put that yeah. out That's there. the way mm-hmm. the empire all comes crumbling down. Yeah, yeah Sarah the power is with me. And the $2,000 <laughs> scandal. That's an example of oversharing. I'm willing yeah. to be bribed by the community. Yeah. I will take money for this. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. I mean, I, I mean, in terms of making the show better, Philly Yeatsteak's thing about personalized was the best the best conversation starter um i like the the demo stuff from mike spam here uh chef's kiss who don't like it uh the one about the worst thing you've done in the game i think is interesting the one person just begging for a prize for my mate bit is undeniable but yes yeah, i love the person begging for the prize but it's still a no but like i love it though i love the energy mm-hmm. i guess the, i love the energy the, that's right i guess to take the the pressure off sarah you know to echo what jeff i'm sorry to say i do think the last one was probably yeah. the best in terms of yeah, different in, in conversations and a little agreement lens. on that one. All right, yes. so Sarah's making the call. Philly Yeet Steak <laughs> is winning the prize from I Am Eight Bit, uh, the What the Golf final soundtrack. So thank you so much, to everybody who supports us on Patreon and submits a question each and every week. We appreciate it. And now it's time for something we call Get a Load of This. Jeffum, tell me what yeah. you got, what you really, really got. Get a load of this. Uh, this is a YouTube video from a site called Veritasium. Um, it's how an infinite hotel ran out of room. And it's basically about it's about the concept of infinite as a number and kind of walks through. It makes you think about infinity in a in a couple different ways in this kind of funny animated video. But it's essentially the idea is you have a hotel room with an infinite number of rooms and if there's a person in in every single room, you have an infinite number of people already booked in an in a hotel full of infinite rooms, and another person shows up. What can you do about it? And the answer to that is just have everyone move one room over, and then that person can take the first room. But then it it, it goes through like five more more like thought exercises of like how that gets increasingly complicated and like the actual math that goes into it that scientists have thought about it's a very it's a really interesting video huh there's a link below for everybody for all these um hey get a load of this i was streaming ratchet clank rift apart which i know is outrageous we haven't really talked about yet we'll talk about it maybe next week or in in the future but uh, we're all really enjoying it right janet yep okay (laughs) great um but i was playing it and streaming it and um there's a character called mort that you run into pretty early on and she has this really thick Minnesotan accent. And 
for the first time, I started talking about the voice acting in Ratchet and Clank, and I was like, who is this? Like, from the Fargo cinematic universe, I'm insulted as a Minnesotan. Who is this? This is like Ellen DeGeneres doing a Minnesotan accent. What is this? And then it turns out it's our dear friend, uh, Sarah Omale, who is the wonderful guest on The Deepest Dive for Mass Effect, voice actor extraordinaire, and she finally then <laughs> was able to scream out on Twitter that she's a big part of Ratchet & Clank here as the character Mort and all of the Morts in Ratchet & Clank. So I really felt like a dick for going on a limb to bash one voice actor. It turns out it's a dear friend of the show that we should all appreciate, wow. Sarah Omale. So please, please forgive me, Sarah. Uh, which reminds <laughs> me, uh, Sarah, you got one for a little of this? Yeah, get a load of this. This is just like a PSA, but a lot of the games we saw during the Wholesome Game Fest and uh, Summer Games are now, they now have demos on Steam mm. called Next Fest. I literally have 53 games wishlisted and they all have demos. Uh, that'll be from June 16th to June 22nd. You can play these demos. Sweet. That's a There's good a one. There's a lot of them. Yeah, love it. That's awesome. Janet? Yeah, get a load of this. Uh they have lifted the mask requirement in California now, um, and it's a, it's a new world. It's a scary world. And what? one thing I saw on TikTok was the line at Disney, which is massive, like unspeakably massive. So massive, I almost question how true this TikTok even is. I'm like, this is a line from something else, and you just kind of are, are trying to piss it off. But I saw a few talking about how Disneyland is just jam-packed. Just oh jam-packed, because now that you don't need masks, I guess people that maybe, you know, take this what you will, who weren't interested in wearing masks, now don't have to, so now they're there. That's scary, so we'll see how that goes, but um, yeah, be sure to, if you're in California, you know, keep an eye out for what's going on, and I like to still have my mask on hand, at least. Just, you know, so if I'm hopping into a store, I'll probably still wear it, and like, the gym, it will be on a case-by-case basis and things, sure. but uh, just double-checking that stuff and and being ready to have a mask just in case because you might be like it's fine but then maybe you might feel a little bit uncomfortable and it could be good to have as a backup yeah i know millions of other people have already said this but it is crazy to look back on the last year and a half and it's like oh i haven't been sick for the last year and a half mm -hmm. isn't that interesting how that worked out i like not being sick it so turns I'm out like, it's really I'll good just keep this rocking so i don't know yeah we'll see. yeah uh jeff from jigabun from the community yeah, get a load of this. Uh, this is from Fenrir Natty Magic Man. Oh, uh, it's it's a, a link to a story by Imran Khan on Fanbyte, um, and it's titled "I Hope Breath of the Wild 2 Still Has Weapon Durability." And I don't agree with a word that he says. <laughs> He's out I of his appreciate, mind. Uh, his take on it, and it's a it's a good read. There we go. Bold swing. Um. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah, Janet, Jeffem, for being here. Um, let's see, plugs for things coming up for MinMax. We have a new episode of Crossfade releasing this Friday, which is our standalone music podcast you can find in your favorite podcast app. And Janet, who's the guest this time around? It is I. <gasps> My God. And so the way Crossfade works is uh, Matt Helgeson, uh, the host, uh, has a guest every episode, and they blindly pick an album for the other person to review. So what are you talking about on this episode, Janet? Um, I have picked um, In Your Honor by Foo Fighters, the, the iconic double disc, and I have been assigned Good Kid, Mad City by Kendrick Lamar. So it's going to be a good one because I like both those artists a lot, so it should be fun. Oh, cool. Yeah, so you can subscribe to Crossfade. We'd appreciate the support and tell Matt Helgeson that you love him or something. Um, also, we have uh, the grand finale for our E3 coverage, uh, Leo Vader and Jeff Cork's big E3 recap video. It's going to be going live soon, either late Wednesday or on Thursday um, it's called E3 Hive, 
And uh, if you're at the Backstage Pass on Patreon, you can watch Leo edit it, which I jumped in real quickly last night. And uh, just seeing one still of this did not disappoint. If you like silly Leo uh, at his peak silly and maybe wearing an absurd costume, you might want to check out E3 Hive when it goes live because also just I haven't seen any of it other than that still. Um, but Jeff Cork sent me a message saying, you have no idea how good this video is going to be. <laughs> it's like, I have been working on it for the entire week and it's amazing. So please look forward to that on our YouTube channel. Uh, also, just a heads up, we have Trivia Tower, the grand round. Sarah, we like echo Trivia Tower, the grand round. Yeah, he's got us trained. <laughs> yeah, they're basically like seals at this point. But anyways, uh, Trivia Tower, the grand round is happening this Sunday on June 20th at 1 p.m. Central. Uh, it's the time to jump in and play. So if you support us at any tier on Patreon, even that $2 tier, even just for one month, that's totally fine. You can jump in MinMax's Discord, and that's where the Trivia Tower, the grand round Round, round, Thank you. Uh, it's taking place yeah. this Sunday, and that's a big video game trivia competition for the community. You answer questions, you work your way up the trivia tower. Last person standing wins $1,000. So if you know a lot about video games, you want to put it to the test and help support independent games media at the same time, now's the time to do it. Head over to Patreon. We'd appreciate the support, and you could end up winning Trivia Tower the Grand Round. Round, round, round. Okay. I feel like I'm being punked at this point. Like yeah, he's just gonna you're right. See it's when do we break? You know, losing enthusiasm. Uh, anyways, uh, Sarah, thanks so much for being here. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can catch me oversharing on my Twitch channel at Sarah Pods. <laughs> also, you can catch me oversharing on Tuesdays on the Minmax channel. Um, and then you can also see me on Twitter, probably also oversharing at Sarah Pods. Perfect, Janet. Do you have anything coming up other than Crossfade? It's the same. It's it's also oversharing at Game Monesis on all platforms because I also was able to get that handle everywhere. So yeah, to that. Um, I'll be on uh, my Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash Game Onesis, uh, playing Animal Crossing on tomorrow, I guess, because that's Thursday. But Friday, I'll be playing Chicory as well, I think. Oh, I have cool. to double check releases. I play it the latest release every Friday. So um, I think there's not anything else too notable out right now. So I'm going to finally swing around to that after playing Ratchet uh, last week. There it is. Sweet. And thanks everybody who supports us on Patreon at the $50 tier. They get the name in the description of everything we release and we read their name at the end of every episode of the MinMax Show podcast. And it goes a little bit something like this. You could join this list if you'd like. I'm talking about Alex Payne, Fixture Gaming, I Am 8-Bit, Best of the Rest Podcast, Call Me By Your Game Podcast, Mercurica Torino, Real AF TV, Zachary Pliggy, Mark Seliga, Beaten Down Brian, Ludwig Roque, Joar Hello, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, Andrew Yukowitz, Andrew Valla, John Higby, Yaro, Richard Smuts, Clint Farley, Spiral in Your Eyes, Pretham. Does anybody know Pretham's last name? Yarl. Close. Yarl Legata. Starkiller, Spider Dan, Purebred number six, Slick Nick, Steve Bamdad, and Jesse Vitelli. Thanks so much for your support, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go. Mm -hmm.